You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, episode 308, recorded on August 21st, 2018. I am your host, Chris Spangle. Today we're going to be covering lying Lester Holt as he makes fake news live on television in an effort to bully Jack from Twitter. Uh, We're going to talk about the non-aggression principle and why not all punches... Wait, all punches are equal. With me is Harry Price, and we'll be back right after this brief message. Warning, this show is for adults, produced by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. You're trying to piss me off right at the beginning of the show, aren't you, Harry? <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. Yes, I am. What, so Harry Price joins us. Welcome to this episode of We Are Libertarians. So glad to have you join us. Harry, how are you today? Going good. Going good, Chris. How are you? What did you show me right at the beginning? So I showed him like this one thing. It's like, uh, you can't publish your page right now. Um, warning from um, the Facetubes, because I refuse to give Facetube more of my personal information. <laughs> right. So they have blocked me from posting to the page. You know, so meh. All right. Well, I refuse. I. Uh, so well, you don't ever get on there, anyways. I've posted like three times, but yeah, yeah. You know. um, Stone does a, such a better job than I do, so I just let him do it. Good old Stone Aldridge. Just shout out for our boy Stone. Stone runs the Instagram, and listen, Stone has Stone has two goals before the end of the year, mm-hmm. and we should put we should put this front and center because Stone is like twenty twenty one from Georgia. Uh, he is. He just fell in. A big fan of the podcast. Young young man. Uh, very intelligent and very hardworking. And you know, went out to join the Patreon a year ago. What bought like a preloaded card to mm-hmm. join at twenty five dollars a month. Like you know, and and so any of you who like, ah, oh, I don't have, I don't have five dollars to give to my favorite podcast that brings me so much joy and love and respect and information. This 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 young man's out there working hard to help support the empire of We Are Libertarians, and uh, so Stone decided. I said, I I can't take the Facebook page anymore. I can't do this. I don't have time. I want to read articles and prep for the news. I need somebody to do social media. So Stone took over the Instagram and the Facebook, and has been posting our fire memes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're up to about two hundred and fifty profile visits on Instagram. We're up, we're trying to get to a thousand. So make sure you go visit the profile of We Are Libertarians on Instagram. 
And then uh, 100,000 Facebook likes. So if you haven't liked the page, please go like the page. Uh, I'd also like to throw in, let's get to 1,000 YouTube uh, subscribers because we're at like 750 and we need 1,000 to start monetizing. Uh, so I'd like to, you know, get to 1,000 if we can. And plus, it just looks cool. You know, Mark, Mark Claire at Lions of Liberty has more uh, YouTube subscribers than us. And they just post the audio. I post the audio, the video, clips, and we have a brand new YouTube series. Have you have you checked out the new YouTube series yet? Yes, I have. Yeah, All right. yeah. Sarah Bradney. Uh, Sarah Bradney. Excuse me. I'm on my second show today already. Uh, Sarah Brady Wagner with Fundamental Freedoms. And so we're doing a YouTube series with Sarah where every Sunday night at 8 p.m. we're posting a new video. And so we posted the introduction one. You can find that at WeAreLibertarians.com, our Facebook, our YouTube, our Vimeo, our Twitch, our other Twitch. You can find it everywhere. Which is great because I actually threw it up on the uh, big screen of the TV. And uh, when my wife walked in, she's like, ooh, is this some crazy like uh, um, crazy feminist ladies going to spew some nonsense? I was like, actually, no, not this time. No, no. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've already got the next couple of weeks uh, plotted out, scheduled out, and they're really great. So she's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she has a podcast called Speaking of Liberty. So speakingofliberty.com, check that out. Yep. Um, and, and it's really nice. It's very, it's, it's actually very well put together. It yeah. was, you know, I don't know if I was like, uh, was expecting, you know, garbage, but. Um, <laughs> our, it's, our usual low standards. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. But um, yes, <laughs> I was blown away. I was like, "Wow, I can't believe Chris did this." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I've. Oh, I, sorry. Assisted with is probably more her. Uh, yeah. Well, we bought the equipment. We had some folks fundraise. We fundraised about two hundred and fifty bucks, and that's the quality of video that you can do if you you two hundred and fifty bucks on some lighting and some clips and tripods and mics and all that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I, I'm a quasi professional video editor at work so so yeah i'm real excited about that we're doing all kinds of and you know you're you're to blame for this so you're forever to blame for me bitching uh i started doing the chris spangle show every day i've done it every every weekday uh so and they're creeping up to 40 minutes today but now i'm gonna keep it about 20 minutes and every day a 20 minute 30 minute you know just for your drive in Mm -hmm. because here's the thing I'm a downloader. Thank you. Uh, not a listener, but a downloader. And that's all I care about. I just need your download. Um, I do listen. Yeah. So we, well, the thing is, is we have, I mean, you can, how many stories right now are in the Trello? Um, I'm not counting those. I mean, probably that's 100. a hundred. It scrolls. It, yeah. It scrolls. There's, I'll put it that way. It scrolls. Right. There's at least a hundred stories from just the last three days. Like news is moving so quick and I've got so much to say and I've got so much that I think you need to hear that we can't fit it into a We Are Libertarians episode, especially if we're going to try and keep these at 90 minutes. You made me turn off notifications for the board finally. <laughs> for usually the Yeah. Usually every time you post an article or do something in there, right. I was fine with a beep, 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 beep. But this past week, it's like, okay. All right. Yeah. I got to turn notifications off. Right? Yeah. You're getting a little taste of my work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> 6 a.m., 9 p.m., mm-hmm. 1 a.m. It's just beep, Trello, beep, beep Trello. Because I get in my Feedly, and then when I see an article, I'm like, oh, put this on my board, and then it pushes it to the Trello. So, anyways. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. If you're a fan of this show, then you're going to love that show. You're going you're gonna to eat it up. It's just me, just me talking into a mic for about 20 minutes a day about a main story that really is grinding my gears and then a few little short undercover news stories got to end up sharing that feed and we got to get we got to get 
Jason Doolittle and uh, Craig DeCosta on the board because we got Christy on her. Yeah. So Craig will actually be here next week. Ooh. Craig DeCosta will become uh, becoming in. We and, and we got two one hundred dollar new new Patreon subscribers this week. <laughs> so um, let me see. I, I the one came in today, so I want to make sure that I go and grab them. But we're very appreciative of everybody that is on our Patreon. Uh, as as we have detailed and we will detail tonight, the mainstream press is just letting us down at an astronomical rate. And so, mm-hmm. m- main, you know, media is completely changing um, and, and turning back into like the patronage system. So in the Middle Ages, the way that art and anything was created in the Middle Ages is that patrons would go and fund somebody like Michelangelo or, you know, Johann Sebastian Bach or whomever. And you would write books and create music and create art through the system of patronage. And so now patrons, it's people who are believers of libertarianism. You guys are funding us. And so we want to especially thank um, Paul Jonathan Eads Jr. First, uh, he was the first one to jump in. And uh, Donald Keller, who joined just today. And see, he's doing something smart. Um. He is actually with an organization, and so he knows, I don't know if he knows this, but the Libertarian Coalition mm-hmm. is the group, and he's like, you know, if we if we donate 100 a month, he's going to mention us on every single episode, mm-hmm. and it's, it's actually kind of smart. So listen, if you're an organization, I'm going to read the Liberty Coalition every single episode, so... Thanks to those guys for uh, supporting our work. Um, really appreciate the Liberty Coalition and it's and the Libertarian Coalition, and it's something that I believe in, where it's trying to bring people together. I have very strong words for Joshua Smith and uh, the Libertarian Party later in this episode, so stay tuned for that. But first, we have to get to Alex Jones. Um, now we have to do the the disclaimers. The beginning is Alex Jones Always, is a yeah. nut. Mm-hmm. Alex Jones says things that aren't true. Alex Jones, conspiracy theorist, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> so, because if you defend somebody's right to free speech, then people automatically strawman you and say, well, you just must believe in everything that they believe in, which is why censors usually start with somebody like Alex Jones or, as you made the point a couple weeks ago, sex workers or mm-hmm. hackers or undesirables. Correct. The undesirables, the people who are uh, don't show up to be uh, with... The- to the PTA meetings with their gigantic flags and minivans. Right. Yes, the less respectable members of society. Quote, unquote, like people like culturally aren't like respectable. Right. Uh, so, you know, we did we did an episode on this a couple weeks ago, and, and Jones, when 15 different companies, and I actually spoke to Twitter today, and I said uh, in their sales department, I was like, hey, just so you know, I took this phone call because you didn't do what the other 15 companies did, mm-hmm. and you respect free speech. And so I'm. I picked up. I answered your phone call. Nice. Because if Facebook had been calling, I probably wouldn't have. So it, it would have been just another sales call. But I think it is important as consumers to let companies know when they do the right or the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that these companies don't have a right to do what they want with uh, on their property. Mm-hmm. So that's the other caveat: is yes, we agree with property rights. No, we don't agree with things that Alex Jones says. Correct. Okay. But we have to look at the precedent being set. And as we outlined in that last show, there's there's some precedents being set that are really troubling. And it just is compounding in two weeks. 
it's already starting to spread into domains and credit card processors, as we'll see. And so political speech is now being eroded at the corporate level because of leftist bully groups. And you went off before the show about this. <laughs> yeah. I. Oh, man. I have been like fit to tie on this art uh, on this because like I, I i talked about this um on several different podcasts back in like the uh obama era stuff when operation choke point when they were going after uh, gun groups and sex workers to squeezing them out of financial institutions making sure they don't have access to right. different things and you know and a lot of people didn't say anything like that except the some of the hardcore libertarians at the time did yeah a lot of them Saw the case, saw the uh, saw what was going on, and then decided to cr- try to create systems to get around all that. Right, that was the the beauty, the hope that we had in Bitcoin. Not some you know bit, uh, not some idea like, hey, we're all going to get rich. We're all going to like, uh, or we're going to do some uh, thing with the blockchain and make IDs, do smart contracts, and all this other bull crap. No, the idea was to get away from. And the power from the banking system, because because of Operation Choke Point, showed us that hey, if they can stop your ability to one access to banking, right, your ability to accept or you know take away money, um, they essentially can, can can kill your message. Sure, you can't take anything. That's why it was so powerful to try to get people onto cryptocurrency because they couldn't stop that. Yeah, you couldn't stop that. That's why, like antiwar.com and other different places were like taking these cryptocurrency. That's why, like, like some of the running joke when Bitcoin was skyrocketing was, I how many sex workers that have like one or two Bitcoin back back in the day that never did anything with it, right? You know, when they, you know, when when Operation Chokepoint was going on, it's like how many they're super rich right now because they took in Bitcoins. And you can donate it in Bitcoin, uh, Litecoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash at uh, wearelibertarians.com slash support. Uh, we take Bitcoin and crypto now, uh, and I have I've received no crypto, but that's okay. We'll get there. I'll give you some Doge. All right, I didn't. I don't take good. I don't take Doge. Uh, so the only place that I could find this uh, next clip is MediaMatters.org, and it, for those of you who don't know what Media Matters is, it's basically a leftist group that goes out and frames conservative, libertarian, and anti-left voices. Uh, and then just pumps its its content into the minds of the mainstream media, and th- so so the only place that I could find the video of August thirteenth Alex Jones Periscope was on Media Matters website, and so I I originally heard this on a No Agenda show, and it doesn't sound edited to me, so mm-hmm. I don't know if it is or not, but it's definitely not the full clip. Um, and so this is the only place that this exists and it's wrapped around basically how you should view this. And so the, the entire pretense of Alex Jones being kicked off of Twitter for a few days, put in a timeout as Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter said, was to make him think about his actions. But the reason that he was kicked off was, was that he, he was threatening the media by telling his supporters to grab their battle rifles And so here is uh, the Media Matters article. On Periscope, Alex Jones tells supporters to get their battle rifles ready against Antifa, the mainstream media, and Shycom operatives. And Jones, it's time to act before the media carries out, quote-unquote, a false flag. And so then they give... um, They basically then put this up there, and it's just 
frankly pretty much misleading exactly what Jones says. So here's here's the clip of what Jones says. And again, this is for Media Matters, um, but I, it didn't sound edited from the original. Military. So I know, already understand who the Chicom operatives and the traitors are to understand who's trying to take the First Amendment, who's trying to bankrupt the country, who's trying to shut down everything, who wanted, admitted they wanted to bankrupt healthcare in America to bring us to our knees. We're under attack, and you know that, and you've pointed out mainstream media is the enemy. But now it's time to act on the enemy before they do a false flag. I know the Justice Department's crippled a bunch of followers and cowards, but there's there's groups, there's grand juries, there's you call for it. It's time politically and economically and 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 judiciously and legally and criminally to move against these people. It's got to be done now. Get together the people you know aren't traitors and aren't cowards and aren't hedging their freaking bets like all these other assholes do. And let's go, let's do it. Because they're coming. Now, in your wisdom, you may be playing possum and waiting for him to come in. But America needs to know that they've got their little pathetic commie red teams ready. And they've got their targets picked out. The sheriffs, the judges, the police chiefs, the patriots, the veterans, the talk show host, everybody. And everybody's going to be amazed when they come, when those cowards come. And it's going to hit in the middle of the night, and they're coming. And they're coming. And they're coming. They think they can really take down America. And this is it. He's leaned back in his chair. Contemplating. People need to have their battle rifles and everything ready at their bedsides. And you got to be ready. Because... The media is so disciplined in their deception. Antifa attacked all these people at the White House, beat up reporters, beat up women, children, no coverage. I mean, they've got discipline, folks. They've got criminal discipline because they're a bunch of followers. Here's Vimeo banning us. All right, so the the battle rifles thing was, in my mind, a self-defense. The, the way that he phrased that, it seemed mm-hmm. like self-defense. Right. When you hear that, have you heard that before? Well, like keep your battle rifle by your bed. No, I'm saying the whole clip. Have you heard that Alex no, Jones clip? No, I haven't. No. Okay. No, I, I, only thing I heard was like Alex Jones trying to describe it, and he's talked about how it was cut up and stuff like that. Right. I heard that. Okay. And so this was the clip that got him banned because then people who follow media's ma- media matters started barraging Twitter, basically saying he's using Periscope, which is owned by Twitter, mm-hmm. to incite violence. In your opinion, did you think he was inciting violence in that clip? If he's inciting violence in that clip, then you can probably go after every preacher on Sunday. Right. In in what way? Talk about you've got to have your armor on for Jesus and get your sword of righteous anger out there. Right. Is the exact you know, the exact same type of like rhetoric or words someone would use. And but even in this one, it's like you know you have to be ready and have this sitting there by your side. Well, yeah. Okay, he's not citing for violence. He's not calling for people like, "Hey, we're going to do violence. We're going to meet up at this location X, and we're going to make sure you bring your rifles and bring plenty of ammo." He's not saying that. He's not even remotely um, saying to that. He's mostly saying like, "You got to have your group, got to have your group, and you've got to be ready." That's right. about it, you know. Because especially within also context of how the show is, if you listen to his show, you know, which is also some of the there's nothing wrong with 
entertaining conspiracy theories. I think there's something wrong with some of the dystopian gloom and gloom through it. Right. That, that Alex Jones shows sometimes gives off. Not all the time, but sometimes. And But, and in context of how that show plays out, this seems par for the course. Right. You know, of the entertainment of the Alex Jones show. So when you break it down, and, and as we told you in that Alex Jones, we gave the entire template. So if you didn't listen to it, go back and, and listen to that. But we gave you the whole template where it, it starts with taking a, a selectively edited piece of content. There's already a pretense uh, built. There's already a vibe, a meme, basically, that you're a dangerous person because mm-hmm. pundits and people go on all these shows and Huffington Post and media tweet out all day, you know, things, crazy things that you've said. And they put all these various things out that give the general impression that you're a dangerous person, that you are inciting violence. And so people who have never listened to Alex Jones, who Mm -hmm. don't understand who he is or what he does, just take the media's word for it. And so when they finally then get a selectively edited clip like that, or he says something that is... It's. I, I don't think he's towing the line. I think you're right. I think he's speaking in metaphors as so often he does. I did not hear in that clip that he was activating a secret army of, of, you know, insurgents. Like they 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 talk about the Alex Jones followers and that crowd, like they're and the alt right and all these people. Like there's some sort of like black flag organization that the secret code is given out, and all of a sudden these. Uh, American terrorists, Timothy McVeigh types are activated and there's going to be terrorist actions. I didn't see any of that during the Charlottesville rally, the, the part two this past week. Mm-hmm. I, I saw on um, Ford Fisher, who is a libertarian, uh, basically videographer mm-hmm. uh, and documentarian. I saw him at that part two rally and I saw 25 unarmed white supremacists mm-hmm. in, in this little pig pen. And then hundreds of Antifa beating the windows in of a Marine Corps uh, office, heavily armed. It happened happened with the Gavin McInnes rally and the Proud mm-hmm. Boys and all that in in I think California this past week as well. So it's it, it it I don't with my own eyes see the narrative that is being given out about the followers of Alex Jones as some sort of dark army that is about to commit domestic terrorism. Right. I mean, if anything, it was if you go back to the Tea Party era when this all started. I mean, the 2008 report out of Minnesota and the this like terrorism unit basically saying, "Watch out for domestic terrorists. They're libertarians or Ron Paul supporters or blah blah blah." Like, how many domestic terrorist acts have we had that have been motivated by right wing nut jobs? It, it I have I can't recall any in the last decade. Yeah, I can't. Recall I can. Anymore. I can tell you about the baseball field shot up by the guy who was a Rachel Maddow fan. Mm-hmm, that's true. I can tell you about Stephen. What's his face in Vegas, and nobody knows what his motivation was. Yeah. And uh, and I can tell you about a bunch of Islamic jihadist attacks, but I can't tell you a single right wing homegrown terrorist. So I just don't get this whole narrative because the reality of what I see is not the same as what I see reported in mainstream news. And the only one they really try to start go back for is Timothy McVeigh. Right. And it's just like, okay, well, what was Timothy McVeigh's motivation? What motivated? What made him do what he wanted to do? Right. You know, I'm not saying support hit what he did, but why did he do the thing that they claimed that he did? Well, Janet Reno murdered a bunch of women and children and, and innocent people at a compound in Waco, Texas. Yeah. 
That's why he did what he did. Mm-hmm. So the federal government killed people at Ruby Ridge. Correct. And the federal government was overly heavy-handed in these incidents. Mm-hmm. But that was that was 30 years ago at this point? 20 years? No, not 30. That was, yeah, about 25 years ago. Almost 25 years ago. Yeah, so we're talking decades yeah, two de- yeah. since the militia movement. Correct. And so to paint the... Uh, you know, and there's definitely nothing about the alt right that I'm a fan of. You know, like they're not right wing anyway. Richard Spencer, for instance, I think is is um, he's a collectivist. He is a racist. He is incredibly distasteful. Which is not right wing, right? It can be over there. But I also don't see the guy inciting violent riots. No, I see him getting punched by leftists. Mm-hmm. So the whole narrative just totally falls apart. And what it really comes down to is they're trying to create this idea that these are dangerous people that these people who believe in these certain things are dangerous people when in fact meet a white supremacist meet a klansman meet a meet meet a nazi they're pathetic human beings like the not the idea of a nazi and a white supremacist and a klansman was always very scary to me mm-hmm. until i met one about two years ago and i was like wow what a pathetic human being so i you know, so that, what they do is they create an environment where, whenever they can get you out of context saying something like this, they can then do what Lester Holt and Brian Stelter on CNN did to Jack Dorsey. They sit down with a CEO, and I guarantee maybe Jack Dorsey saw the Alex Jones clip, mm-hmm. and being a left-leaning person probably saw it as a dangerous thing because he probably doesn't listen to Alex Jones either. And he even admits in one of these interviews, like, we're a left-leaning biased company and we have to watch that. We have to police that. So, you know, his instinct is, I'm not going to fight. I mean, it's borderline and people are outraged by it and the mob is at my door. And so it's like, I, how do I explain the nuance of, like, this guy is just, you know, he's like a preacher. He's using metaphor. That's I just got to do something. And I know that it, banning him outright would be wrong. So I'll give him a timeout. I'll give him a, a short ban. Okay, and so he does that. But then, you know, he sits down with Lester Holt, and this is what it really comes down to. Companies hate bad PR. They don't want bad PR, plain and simple. And so, because it cuts into their ability to return money back to their shareholders. Mm -hmm. And CEOs are held responsible when not enough money is given back to their shareholders. So a free speech platform like Twitter or Facebook does not ultimately care about free speech. They care about returning money to their shareholders. Mm -hmm. And so when they sit down on the NBC Nightly News, and this is the first question, of course they're going to act. And what's insidious is that Lester Holt and Brian Stelzer and the media know this, which is why they want to drown out their competition by asking CEOs this very question posted this week uh, what essentially is a video calling for people to get their battle rifles ready against the media, saying it's time to act, it's got to be done now, move criminally against people. Uh, I didn't hear him say criminally in that clip once. Right. And what he just did was take a word salad, mm-hmm. mixed the worst parts of it together, and then made it sound like Alex Jones was saying something that he actually wasn't saying. Uh, so let's let's start again. Let's hear that again. Alex Jones on Twitter posted this week uh, what essentially is a video calling for people to get their battle rifles ready against the media, saying it's time to act. It's got to be done now. Move criminally against people. 
Send a chill up my spine. How about yours? What kind of question is that? Very leading. Very leading question. Right. Uh, Alex Jones said the N-word and that he'd like to kill all black people. Uh, are you for or against? It's, like, it's, yeah. uh, can it, you play said clip for our answer? That was just yeah. as truthful as what I just what we just heard. Well, yeah, that's what the thing is. Like, all right, I didn't hear said clip, didn't know about said clip, and people post you know millions of things a day. Not, can't right, please them all, bro. <laughs> right, I am now producing nine, three, four, let's say four, uh, eight, eighty-seven hours a week of broad. Like, do you think that there isn't something that I'm going to say that isn't? accurate it may not it may not be false because my intent is not there but i'm definitely going to say things if i'm doing a daily show plus this show Mm -hmm. and going on other shows i'm definitely going to say things that are inaccurate from time to time or inartful that's why we got the massive producer core aka the listeners that we're more than happy to help keep us on the right track and shows where we're wrong which which we appreciate even though you know we kind of jokes and but we like it because it keeps us on one on our toes and you know and we do not want to spread out inaccurate information and you understand how busy we can be so we appreciate that but you know but yeah you're you're absolutely right the idea that these ceos who are probably far removed from anything that's going on into the day-to-day with that right other than you know like just you know like moving things and getting budgets approved and moving things around that is the department some department is holding that because if that ceo has anything to do really factually with going on there then he's what he's a micromanager right and they're you know they can't work anyways none of those programmers can work none of the engineers can do anything the you know the the mods that they have can't do anything because the ceo comes over and micromanages them right hey get these up for ban are they okay for ban Right, it, and, it, and you're very right. It could have been somebody censoring Alex Jones because they had a, a political motive, and then he's got to go on national television and defend it and make up a phony baloney response. So he's just been asked, uh, it sends up a chill up my spine whenever Alex Jones threatens to kill people. What about you? It did. I mean, there's a, there's a number of actions that um, we believe help uh, a call to incitement to violence, and uh, those are the things that we need to Make sure that we are protecting a broader collective, um, and uh, we're taking action on. You have you've taken action against him in, in this instance. What is yeah. it? Can you tell us what it is? We uh, I believe we put him in a, uh, a timeout, um, uh, removing his ability to tweet uh, for uh, for a time period. Just a short time period. For a short time period. This is consistent with uh, how we enforce these particular rules. At what point, though, do you have to recognize a pattern? Not just a single tweet or a single video, but a pattern. Uh, Shout out to to Jack Dorsey, because what he just said there is, we just enforced our rules consistently. Mm -hmm. And that's been the part that where Twitter gets major props for me through all of this because they could have piled on with everybody else and nobody would have faulted them. I mean, they had cover to do it. And what Jack Dorsey said is, no, we have a terms of service. We have rules and I'm going to follow those rules, even if it makes me uh, even if I am then the victim of massive amounts of harassment, even from nightly news anchors. Right. So shout out to Jack Dorsey for actually following his rules. Of hate-filled and threatening. At what point, though, do you have to recognize a pattern? Not just a single tweet or a single video, but a pattern of hate-filled and threatening speech. Well, we have to look more broadly across all actions. Can you give us some examples, Lester? (laughs) Just the generic, uh, at what point, uh, blah, blah, blah. Because I have declared... Alex Jones to be a hate-filled warmonger uh, who actively led us into the war in Iraq. 
Oh, I'm sorry. That was the New York Times. My bad. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was the Washington Post of my network. Uh, 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 <laughs> so let's hear what Jack says to that incredibly ridiculous question. And um, also make sure that uh, we're looking at our current policies and evolving our policies under the, tra- under the changing circumstances that we see around us as well. Your, your peers, uh, Facebook, t- uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, took stronger action against Alex Jones. You stood on the sideline. You said he hadn't violated your policies. Well, the most important thing for us. Uh, so why didn't you follow the crowd and do what everybody else did because it was popular and violate what you have written down on paper? Yeah. Where he should have responded was like Spotify and Facebook are not my peers; they're lesser platforms. That's right. <laughs> we are master race. Oh, I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa! They have lesser platforms. That's why uh, Donald J. Trump is on Twitter, not Facebook. Uh, I saw an article that some people value Donald Trump's uh, Donald Trump's value to Twitter is two billion dollars. It's the only thing that's keeping Twitter profitable. That Donald Trump's presence on Twitter is $2 billion of their market cap, which is insane to me. Yeah. Is that we are consistent in applying our enforcement. That is critical. Kudos to him for being consistent and not being a, 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 just a follower. We can't build a service that is um, subjective just to the whims of what we personally believe. We need to... Is that, is that what your, your, your peers did? About to win. I'm not. I, I can't state what their internal decision-making process was. We were focused on ours. Pussies. We need to make sure that we are <laughs> applying our said. rules consistently. Our, our rules are: people come to our service, they um, agree to a terms of service, and that is what we need to look at. That doesn't mean that we can't evolve those rules. That doesn't mean that we can't change those rules. But we need to inform people of those changes and why they matter and how they'll affect behaviors on the platform going forward. See, that's a very libertarian way of thinking, is that if I make rules, I'm going to follow them to the letter, it's the rule of law, instead of the rule of man, which is just the whims of the mob. Yeah. And so it's actually some, some libertarian thinking kind of in his... And there's something about Dorsey that makes me think, he's seen, he's seen them come... He knows where this, this is never going to end. And if you don't have, if you, it, he knows he has the cojones and the and the clout, really to like stand up to these people and withstand whatever they throw at him, and so I think there. Hopefully, I'm thinking that maybe he may be the guy in the Silicon Valley space that actually stands up to these crowds and just says, "Enough of this! You're not going to push us around." Yeah, correct. He could be one of those leftists that feel like. Like, wow, the left went way past me. You know, right. I'm not with them, but I'm not with you guys either. That's right. Like, he, finding himself in becoming a centrist, even though his left his left leanings have never moved. Sure. Um, he, he could be a leftist that actually believes in free speech. Yeah, but who knows? The other thing is with it is, like, we're not also absolving Twitter of any of the bad things it has done. Sure. But you're also you're correct. That with having Donald Trump's account on there and actually na- and having majority good like what was probably 80 to 90 percent also of sex workers also on on twitter and right. use that to market with their fans so you know which that's those are billion dollar industries that no one really like can caters to no leaves that money on the floor that's why Pornhub has like money to like to spend because they cater to a you know an industry that no one else wants to right um you know Pornhub's profitable youtube is it meh yeah, you know, and so they've got these people on onto Twitter that so they make so they're able to market and move things off it. Granted, they do shadow ban you know some sex workers sometimes, but 
You know, that's more of the algorithm learning and moving things around. Sure. But doesn't it concern you to hear things like a call to arms on your platform? Put aside the rules for a minute. Is there not a moral obligation? Uh, is there a, a gut check that in, with you or your organization in these situations? So this is a common journalistic technique. Uh, I'm going to reframe and restate the question in a different way, slight variant, but in a little bit more of a stronger way that you can't say no to what I want you to say. Because what happens in most, uh, when you really show up at an event and you're talking to journalists, they've got their story written when they walk in. The narrative for the day is, is, and so what I always try to do differently is when I go to something like the Donald Trump rally, I have no story written. I show up because I want to know what's going on. I want to notice what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so what I the, the premise that I always start with as an opinion journalist is I don't know what's going on. Let me figure it out. Let me find out what people are saying from all different sides. I have definite biases. I have different d- definite leanings, but I try to check those and try to get to the truth. And so if I go to something like a Donald Trump rally, which we did a couple years ago, and I walk in, I go, ah, it's going to be nothing but rednecks and bumpkins. And then you walk in, and it's nothing but clean-cut, upper-middle-class white people. And you're like, oh, what's the, what does this mean? How did this happen? Where are we going? And so... It, the Chick-fil-A is going to be lit after this. <laughs> right. And so... <laughs> There, but you walk in, and, and the journalists that were there all had their stories written. The the crowd is violent. The crowd is this. The Donald Trump's going to beat someone up. You know, it, it's and so it, it and it was it couldn't have been further from the truth. Like at a Donald Trump rally that we went to, mm-hmm. and that we covered, it was people would walking. They would walk by and they'd heckle. In the way that somebody heckles a comedian during a performance, they heckled the media that way. Mm. They didn't shout vitriol. So when Jim Acosta of CNN says he's being, you know, violently taunted, I don't buy it. I don't believe it because I've seen it with my own eyes. And so the the same event that I went to, people were like, Donald Trump did this and he was awful to the media and the crowd turned around and I saw the smiles in the faces of people as they turned around and, and shouted at Rob Kendall wearing a Make America Great Again hat. So uh, oftentimes they're so bound to whatever n- narrative that they have pre-written mm-hmm. that they don't want to change the script. That's like uh, when you also s- talked about the story of the person who did get kicked out of that rally. Yeah. And like, yeah, get him out of here. They're like, no, no, come on, this is Indiana. I'm going to, please, please leave. The person that got kicked out of the rally was there to make trouble. Mm-hmm. And they were a leftist. They were Black Lives Matter. And the articles that were written was that Donald Trump kicks Black Lives Matter out of his rally. But what they didn't include in those articles was that this person was actively disrupting a private event. Right. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but anyways, yep. all right. So back, let's let's hear this butte of a question one more time. Uh, you know, it's it's not a matter of following your own rules. At some point, morality has to play into it because he's inciting violence, which he wasn't. The platform going forward. But doesn't it concern you to hear things like a call to arms on your platform? Put aside the rules for a minute. Is there not a moral obligation? Uh, is there a, a gut check that, in, with you or your organization in these situations? Well, it is concerning. I mean, I, we have to put the safety of individuals first in every single thing that we do. And we need to enforce our rules and also evolve our rules around that. So uh, the actions um, by accounts like Jones... Um, can be dangerous, and they can be things that 
have real-world effects on off, off the platform. And we need to make sure that we're taking that into consideration and evolving our rules going forward. So tell me how you're doing that, specifically how are you All changing? Right, so we'll end with Lester there, but you, you, you hear him buy into the whole, he buys into it wholesale, mm-hmm. and he then talks about security. And security has always been one of the most fundamental ways that people erode freedoms. Right. They, they, because you're not going to argue that you're not going to argue for dangerous pretense. It's like it's like the Edward Snowden case. It's like Prism got built because people weren't going to stand. Like people didn't care enough about privacy. They were scared. Right. And yeah. so when people are scared, then they'll do whatever you want. Correct. Yeah. Prism gets built. You let you know. You know Union soldiers come into your town and you're scared. You give them booze. Next thing you know, they burn the thing down because right. they're drunk. <laughs> so let's move um, on to. Uh, go ahead. Are you sorry? You, that was yeah, so, civil war joke. So, uh, baby Brian Seltzer, stat, stat, stelt, Stelter. Damn, son. Brian Stelter, uh, who I originally really liked. But now I have seen the bias that he carries, and as a media critic, so he hosts this show called Reliable Sources on CNN, and so it's on the Sunday panels, and it's basically a media criticism show. And Howard Kurtz used to host it, and then he said or wrote something that was offensive, and then he got moved. He's now at Fox, uh, and so he, I forget what Howard said, but anyways, uh, so Brian Stelter came in, and he's got a very fleshy head. Uh, he's full of just weird lips and big bald head and weird voice and the TV charisma. He's on all the time now, though, on CNN, and he's got the charisma of one of my farts. <laughs> I take that back. My farts are very charismatic. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and he's just is like, he can't believe that we all don't just wholesale buy that Donald Trump is bought and paid for by the Russians and he's breathless at. All the like, he's just the dean of the 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 journalistic superiority complex. Like he's just he he's the keeper of it. He, he and Jim Acosta get together on Sundays and talk about how important they are and how they're saving humanity in their in their little club. You know, <laughs> Chuck Sleepy Chuck Todd comes over and then they start talking about you know how they single handedly are making America great again and how dare those. Idiot people out in the middle of the country question us in any way, shape, or form. I'm just sorry. I got this idea of them going out to brunch after doing right. hot yoga, you know, and discussing, you know, <laughs> themselves with right. mimosas. So uh, Brian Stelter has on Jack Dorsey, and here's how that goes: Alex Jones and Infowars around the the initial announcement that no, he has not been abusing, no, he has not been uh, over the line, but then a few days later, giving him a timeout. Well, we, our system works by people reporting content. So we, um, we don't, we're not in a place to proactively review everything. Um, and so, I'm sorry. Uh, so he shouldn't have said that because now that he said how their system works, mm-hmm. what's going to happen, Harry? Well, what usually happens in situations like that, people are going to see it, understand the, and go around it. Well, no, the, they're going to start reporting everything they mildly yeah. don't like. Yeah, everything. Yeah, go around it. They see they see the the wall they have to go around. Basically, what I was trying to, sorry trying to get away with is saying that they understand the thing that this is the obstacle that they want to get around, and they're just going to go around it to get rid of it. Yeah, they want it gone. 
we act when we receive reports. That that is just you know consistently enforcing our approach and our roles. People may disagree with that approach. People may say you should be a lot more proactive around all the content. And while we could do that, it just it requires so many resources. I mean, hours and hours and hours of of, of looking through video content. So at the time. Uh, we did not receive reports that we felt we could take any action on that violated on our terms of service. Your colleagues at CNN pointed out a number of them. We took action on one, and then we noticed that all the others, um, likely because they were made known to Alex Jones and InfoWars, were being deleted. As we receive reports, we take action, and there are varying degrees of enforcement actions, starting with warnings to temporary suspensions, which the accounts are now in, all the way to a permanent suspension. Is it possible that he'll, he'll change his behavior on Twitter? You think he really might do that? I don't know. I mean, just, just stepping back, like, we have seen, we have evidence that shows, like, temporary suspensions, temporary lockouts will change behavior. Mm -hmm. It will change people's approach. I'm not naive enough to believe that it's going to change it for everyone, but it's worth a shot um you know it's like we and it but more importantly it's it's consistent with our our enforcement like we can't just keep changing randomly based on our viewpoints because that just adds to the fear of companies like ours of making these these judgments according to our own, our own personal views of who we like and who we don't like and 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 taking that out upon those people that those viewpoints change over time and that just feels random and it doesn't feel fair and it doesn't earn anyone's trust because you can't actually see what's behind it do you miss I, the days I, when you would just i could kiss that guy because <laughs> that's reasonable like sure i, I want to play that again but you just rewind and listen to that again because that's very reasonable and that's a guy who's trying mm -hmm. and you've seen that in zuckerberg You've seen the same thing in Zuckerberg. And so we as libertarians and conservatives and people on the right who are not big government progressives and who are not – I mean if you're, if you're a culturally liberal person, then maybe you feel more comfortable with these companies than maybe somebody like myself who is more culturally conservative. Uh, but I, I have heard the same sort of things from Zuckerberg. I trust Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey – Far more than I trust Nancy Pelosi and and Mark Warner and any of these politicians, or, or Media Matters or some of these other activist websites like the Huffington Post or Raw Story, who are trying to actively cr create regulations around these com companies so then they can remove their competition mm -hmm. from these companies. Correct. And so what I just heard is a guy who says I value free speech. And I want to, uh, I, these voices change over time. Mm -hmm. So the more you engage with people, the more they change. And I'll tell you, Alex Jones, I think, has, I've, I've listened, um, not every day, but kind of consistently over the last couple weeks. And he's actually taken stuff down, and he's he, he's he seems to be actively trying to play within their rules on Twitter to stay on Twitter. Correct. And so Jack Dorsey is correct, but you're never going to get CNN or NBC or any of these people to buy into that. Right. Well, because the other thing is, like, he also has the ability to do the stuff he really wants to do on his own site. Right. He has his own site. He has his own site. So he can say what he wants there. Right. So 
But since he was told his line and showed a line what he can and cannot post, he will fall inside the rules and do, you know do what he says and change. The other thing is what you're talking about is the the, um, the loss of the lie that um, the the idea of you keep moving and changing the goalpost of the rules, like what's happened in YouTube, which is why a lot of different platforms and stuff like that have abandoned YouTube as a place right. to go. And it's why it's you know it's it's still like a viable place to go watch videos and stuff like that but it's nowhere what it was like two years ago well it's why we're now on vimeo it's why we're now on twitch it's why i've i've applied for a steam it account to get on dtube not not good steam it not good steamy pile of crap anyways all right but that's my well, personal I, won't, I won't waste my time then but just do it just be out there i uh, right i have personal issues with it but it, if that's what you want to do then go yeah put many things you want i think that's one of the philosophy we got from you is like you know don't you know only put the paywall on some certain stuff other than that let it out there give people content give people stuff out there if people want to share your content you should make it as easy as possible on them because Correct. people in terms of content creation are not going to change their behavior for you right and the idea that you can pick somebody because like i may not like steam it but there could be somebody out there that likes steam it right gets it on it all the time and comes across a wall video I'm not a huge MeWe fan or WeMe, but somebody was like, you've got to have a wall group on here. So one of my goals here sooner rather than later is Get a, set, a, set up a, 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 a MeWe a, a me group. And uh, and uh, and, um, and I'm not, not down on Gab so much, but <laughs> and uh, and a Minds group. Yeah. Uh, Minds seems pretty cool. So, uh, so let's continue on with this uh, absolute ridiculous interview. Just use Twitter. To meet up with your friends. <laughs> do you remember? Do you miss when you could just meet friends on Twitter? Used yeah. To cause violence. I. I mean. I. I think. <laughs> let's let's hear that question again. Random, Listen very carefully. And it doesn't feel fair, and it doesn't earn anyone's trust because you can't actually see what's behind it. Do you miss the days when you would just use Twitter to meet up with your friends? <laughs> because now we're talking about how it's used cause violence <laughs> I, I mean I, I think <laughs> I think it's just so important to see the world for what it is and I I don't want to live in a world where is where just we only see the happy things and we only focus on like what makes us feel good because we got a lot of stuff to figure out so no I don't I don't miss them because um, we're, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of important things that we need to finally discuss. We're going to share the entire I'm all in on that guy. That, interview that's on our good. Reliable Sources podcast. Uh, but joining me now is Oliver Darcy, CNN. Oh, Oliver Darcy. This is a media critic, a media reporter for CNN. Listen to the objective journalism about one of his competitors <laughs> in, in the media space. Listen to how this media critic... The the Oliver Darcy at CNN has been the main person, the main cheerleader, the main hatchet man, pun, like going watching Alex Jones and then sending clips. He's been the media matters correspondent at CNN, sending stuff to official verified Twitter and Facebook and all these companies and writing stories, shaming these companies, saying, why are you allowing this after taking things out of context over and over and over and over. So let's let's hear the objective journalism of of Oliver Darcy, and then senior media reporter uh, who's been leading the way on these questions about Alex Jones. Are Twitter's answers satisfying? 
But one, it sounds kind of comical that he thinks that putting Alex Jones in a Twitter timeout for a week is going to really affect his behavior. Um, but two, it, it sort of sounds like he's a college professor. He's dealing in hypotheticals and philosophy here. But this isn't a classroom. <laughs> there are real problems that are having real impact on people's lives, and it's happening now. I do think he's asking the right questions. But to sure. your point, maybe he's short on answers. Right. You asked for a timeline, for instance, on, on some of the stuff, and he doesn't have a timeline. Um, but even the current policies that are put in place for reporting harassment, they don't seem to be working. And mm -hmm. it's, it's curious why you know, he doesn't have any answers. He doesn't have any answers for today, right now. How can Twitter better affect the uh, discourse on, on politics? And it's just, it just kind of baffling, too. I thought Mike Allen of Axios said it really well in his news. Oliver Darcy, by the way, is a former Blaze reporter. He worked for Glenn Beck. What 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 caught you? What made you laugh so hard? You sound like a professor. I mean, this is comical. I'm like he he runs a website with open source federated technology that posts memes and and <laughs> dick butts and you're you you're, you're you're talking to him like he's not a professor. He's like that should be lower than what a professor is. Just he's just writing a site that people post things to. Right. He's, a, he's treating him like he's literally like controlling the thought that he's he got culture on his thumb and he can just do what he wants to it he's you know it's this is comical that is laughable right Him going after that he's the he that's so ridiculous making twitter to seem like you know it's some sort of like congressional house like i can't believe he did this on the house of the steps this is where abraham lincoln tweeted no no it's twitter we're posting memes okay we post memes and stupid stuff and our food right. i like to Tweet. I've got a Twitter account, and all I do on my this Twitter account, if you can find it, good freaking luck. Hans the Spider. How dare you? Um, <laughs> no, I don't really use that one that much anymore. But like the, I use one, and all I do is post stupid comments about like food, um, um, health code violations of restaurants I go to. Right. That's all I do on this account. You know, I go around Indy, I, I just post health code violations. No one cares. I don't have that many followers because no one gives a damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing the but, thing that's funny about that is Oliver Darcy is a former Blaze reporter, then went to the Daily Caller, then mm -hmm. worked at Business Insider. Now he works he works for CNN. You know, so here's a formerly fairly conservative leaning guy. He's actually the person that when we did the Ron Paul interview, mm -hmm. I tweeted at him. He put it on the Blaze website, which went to the Daily Caller, which went which went to the Huffington Post, which made us go viral. Mm -hmm. And our biggest downloaded episodes, 114,000 uh, downloads. Uh, shout out Ron Paul, birthday yesterday, 83 years old, Woo. August 20th. Um, so would have been a great president. It would have been the best. You know. So uh, I'll save my Ron Paul tribute for later, but uh, it was so funny. I said something negative on. I, I've been critical of Ron Paul for various realistic reasons, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was reading through the uh, rate ratings and reviews. Please, 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 please go rate and review us on iTunes or uh, Google Podcast or Stitcher. Give us five stars. Otherwise, don't bother. Uh, and one of them was like, "I'm not listening to this show. They made fun of Ron Paul." They don't like Ron Paul. I'm not listening to this. They're heretics. I'm like, okay, get get lost, pal. But yeah. um, I I don't know. I just listen to this and I just go, what universe are these people living in? I don't know. I don't know. They've got their own weird ones, especially just Darcy guy. Yeah, they all have this weird box that they they live in, and they I don't know. It's it's, it's delusional, right? Or just not baked or grounded in any type of reality. The 
the the idea that sorry i wanted to go back to this darcy thing i'm sorry the idea that they want to talk twitter this way while facebook has done so much garbage and i'm not talking about that whole like let these russian bots on i'm talking about the manipulation of the algorithm to push to just do experiments on people right you know the idea that hey we're going to make the facebook app crash on people through an update just to see what they'll do so uh I'm, and that's and that's not news the manipulating people right actually twitter doing that messing with the algorithm and just mess with people so it's I, not caught anyway. I went to fact check myself. Okay, and I ended up on this website called Maranthi TV. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but I found this quote. Uh, uh, and so basically, they're profiling. I think it's an Indian site because he's an Indian American. Um, so uh, let's see here. He stated in an interview that he thoroughly enjoys watching people, Oliver Darcy, enjoys watching people who abuse their power get reprimanded, especially inside classrooms. He enjoys using his presence online to promote free speech and diversity of thought and has regularly urged people of opposing ideologies and philosophies to listen to each other and avoid limiting free speech. Screenshotting that, sending to Oliver Darcy later. So, troll him on Twitter. Um, Yeah, yeah, like, I should put this in the show notes and everybody send it to him and ask, what happened, Oliver? Um, So, uh, let's hear Alex Jones. Let's let's hear what Alex Jones has to say about all this. Let's give you a chance to actually go and listen. Uh, let's see if he rips his shirt off. It's the truth being murdered that gets me upset. It's that I did a 20-minute live video. This was Monday night. And it had a headline about how the president's wrong to not be taking action you know, against Internet censorship. And ended up talking about Antifa and Rob Reiner calling for violence and civil unrest and overthrows and all the violence against conservatives. And I said, we have to legislatively, judicially, criminally, through the criminal justice system, stand up against this. And this is a clear and present danger. And I said, they're threatening all these Congress people and already shooting them and already attacking them and already saying and doxing their addresses and saying, go to their houses and, you know, saying harass them. And I said, people need to have their battle rifle by their bed. Uh, Alex? Alex? Alex. Alex. Hello? I thought he was pausing, but it's just my internet. Let me... Come on, internet. Mm -mm, mm -mm, Come on. mm -mm, You're better mm -mm, than this. mm -mm, mm -mm. Buffering real hard, bro. It is. Buffering hard. Come on, come on, Alex. Buffering Come on, real hard. See, now we're gonna. I'm gonna restart it, but uh-huh. we're gonna have to listen to a Super Male Vitality ad. Yeah, well, he's not using Akamai anymore, so he's you know he's freeze dried organic whole corn available now at <laughs> shop.real.video. It's the truth being murdered that gets me upset. It's that I did a twenty their battle rifle by their bed. If they get attacked, that's totally defensive. That's Americana. Good shot, Alex. Okay, ahead of the midterms, they have gone to complete deception mode. And notice, there's no congressional hearings having me speak. Lester Holt isn't having me on to hear what I have to say. Jack Dorsey was just on with Lester Holt. That's a good point. Like, where's the diversity of thought? Why don't you have me on? But, of course, he shouldn't do it because they'll just edit him out of uh, context again. Right. It's the top of DrudgeReport.com. We'll put that on screen for you right now. Good old Drudge Report. Tech CEO Jack Dorsey on Alex Jones, election security and regrets. 
And then it's all about, he keeps saying nobody died at Sandy Hook. Well, I'm sad he does that. Not saying that. So it's always a way to just put me back through the ringer over and over again. Meanwhile, they've banned me, blocked me on Twitter for seven days because the Southern Poverty Law Center and the, and the Media Matters people put out a headline saying, I said, I'm going to use battle rifles on the media. It's not true. It's all a lie. But Dorsey says he hopes I quit my behavior before he bans me. So then when they ban me, it's like, well, see, we, we did. And then they're going to ban you too. So I love that's all big re-education camp. It's all big giant re-education camp where they just tell me I did all the stuff I didn't do. They never show what I supposedly did. And the clip media matter shows I never say what they said I did. Notice there's just quotes on single words there. Accurate. Yeah. Un. But all the other media that cared didn't even show the clip. You watch the clip and it's like, I didn't say that. But again, if I did, it wouldn't be an issue. It's the First Amendment. I didn't say use weapons on the media. I don't want them to have weapons used on them. That'll make them victims. I'm worried they're going to false flag and stage something on themselves. And then they're going to send Antifa out to all our houses, which they're doxing everybody saying they are. And I said, defensively, be prepared to defend yourself. And they say that is inciting violence. No, it's not. Saying the Antifa can be as violent as they want, that's inciting it. We're having trouble with Tosh Plumley's phone. It was working great earlier. He's had folks breaking in on it, blocking it, threatening him. This is, they're scared of what he's about to talk about. It's not any classified stuff. It's about the threats. Uh, famous CIA whistleblower. That's why they don't want us on air, because big stuff's coming. But here it is, top story on Drudge. It's also on Infowars.com. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey on Alex Jones, election security and regrets. Here it is. All right. Uh, so so that is um, your Alex Jones recap. Thought he made a good a couple good points. Uh, Facebook has actually apologized. Moving on a little bit. Uh, Facebook has actually apologized for removing content from Prager University's Facebook page um, after the organization claimed they're being heavily censored. This is on Mediate. We mistakenly removed these videos and have restored them because they don't break our standards, Facebook wrote on Twitter on Friday. Facebook added they will reverse any reduction in content distribution you've experienced. We are very sorry and are continuing to look into what happened with your page. So just like Jack Dorsey said, you, you've got a problem with people not believing that these companies are open platforms and that's a huge part of their business model that's a huge part of their attraction mm -hmm. they don't want 50 percent of the united states of america to just walk away and say no thanks i'm good so good. Yeah. uh so how many of you are listening on overcast do what do you what podcast app do you listen on harry i, I use google play music okay i use downcast uh, that is Bay. I've tried out pretty much all the major podcast apps, but Downcast is by far my favorite, especially I have like 1,200 subscriptions, so I have a, a ton. Most of you, 70% of you on any podcast are listening on the Apple podcast app, the native app, but Overcast has a fair amount of uh of people and so marco arment uh the guy he he i think he founded uh instapaper which i use and love he no longer is involved in it he went on to run uh something called magazine which was like a magazine on ios and uh now he runs overcast which i considering doing overcast ads uh in, in, in on the overcast app you can do advertisements um, within the app, which seems like a really great way to get new listeners, but I'm not going to give them any of my money after what he announced this week. So, uh, 
let me just let me play part of his podcast because I think if you if you are listening to us on Overcast and a fair amount of you are according to our statistics, I think you need to hear what your podcast app is up to. So let's go to his podcast. Um, 286, I respect a good crust, about 49 minutes in. Where this gets complicated and where this where the news this week comes in is... So essentially he's saying, hey, we use... Basically what these apps do is they import the iTunes directory because they have good standards, they have the biggest... Uh, you know, everybody's an iTunes directory because they're OG... And so what a lot of these little apps do is they import the actual directories. Is the user experience of a podcast app is usually not people entering URLs of all the feeds they want. Uh, you can do that. You can go to the website of the podcast you want to listen to. You can find somewhere there there's going to be a link to their RSS feed. And you can copy that link and you can paste that URL into the add URL box in almost any podcast app. And you can listen that way. That's fine. But the way most people do it is they just use use some built-in search function of the podcast, and they search a directory of podcasts. By far, the biggest directory out there is Apple's podcast directory. The way you get into Apple's podcast directory is you go to Apple and you submit your feed for consideration, and they make sure that it doesn't break any obvious you know rules, like that it's not illegal or that it's not... Um, you know, obscene or spam, or I believe they don't allow porn or other adult content. Apple has people review those, and then they say, okay, this is okay to be in our directory, and they add us to the directory. They're still not actually hosting the file, but they're maintaining a search index. Mm-hmm. So that way, when people go to their app, they don't have to enter the URL of every RSS feed. They can just type in, you know, This American Life, and Apple, you know, uses their search engine and say, okay, here, this is the URL for the show you just asked for. Here it is. And you never have to see it as the user. It just gets added to your podcast app. And so it seems kind of like you're, do, you're using something that Apple's in full control over. It seems like you're searching Apple podcasts for podcasts that are in Apple podcasts and playing them. And Apple podcasts is therefore, you know, responsible for everything in it. In reality, though, the technical version of the technical details of that are closer to a web browser with a search engine. In the sense that, you know, a web browser can navigate to any URL, just like a podcast app could play any URL's podcast. You need to understand other languages to know, like, eventually. And so I don't want anything to do with that. So I don't have any text input, you know, direct iTunes ID or not. I will not show a podcast that has the iTunes block attribute set, which is a custom that's illegal. And you can play it in my app. Legally, I'm probably not at fault there. Um, it, it also, you know, the Apple deals with copyright issues. Like somebody can't just for what they allow in their podcast directory, and are in, in many jurisdictions are actually illegal. Um, and so, a listener uh, emailed me saying, "Hey, I'm leaving your app because you host this content, and and you know it's horrible." I looked, and I'm like, you know, this this should not be allowed. Like this is clearly in violation meaning alex jones existed and he didn't know this he probably was sent media matters content from this person right and saying alex jones is in your directory now i'm not just playing this over alex jones because i think if you're an nra fan you need to hear this of apple's own content guidelines and they were already at that point they were already having problems with facebook and youtube because they were violating their guidelines too and so i do have a mechanism uh, in Overcast, that I can override a feed that would otherwise show up, and I can say this feed should not show up. I haven't used this mechanism very often. Um, I used it once before for uh, NRA TV, 
for similar reasons that I believe that it was violating Apple's own guidelines. And I used it, uh, I think, two or three times, something like that. Um, occasionally, a random podcaster will find Overcast, will say, hey, my podcast is showing up in your app. That's copyright infringement. I demand you take it down. And you know what? When people say that, I say, okay. And I set this flag. And it's gone from Overcast. Anyway, So, long story short, Marco Arment at Overcast does not share your values and is blocking NRA podcasts and is blocking Alex Jones. And uh, I guess the other few times that he probably used that were not, you know, the Pod Save America guys. Right. And those are his values and it is his app and it is his property and it is for him to do what he'd like. Uh, and we fully support him to to do. And I was going to financially support him. I'm not going to now. I'm not going to take the two, four, five hundred dollars I was going to spend to get new listeners mm. in overcast advertising. I'm just not going to do it now because I he and I don't have the same values when it comes to free speech. It's not a matter of him being a liberal. It's a matter of him thinking that he should be the one who is in charge of what other adults should hear or think. And I think it, it, you have to kind of step out from all of this and step back and get out of the Facebook argument and, and really think about this and go, wait a minute. Other grown adults think that they are smart enough or right enough to tell other adults what they can or can't engage with. Like, to me, that's just the crazy. It's like, I, to me, it's as, it's as foreign of a thinking pattern as like not liking Harry because he has more melanin than me. Like it, it, there's nothing biologically different between Harry and I. And so like racism to me is like the dumbest concept ever. And in the same way, like thinking that you're so smart and so important that you are in charge of what others should think is so insane to me. So I I think you know if you run a podcast app you should you should be a neutral platform and obviously as he said early on if you subscribe to Alex Jones in the app he can't remove that he's not going to remove that he just doesn't want to host it in his directory and fair enough but I think if uh, if you agree with that um, then you continue to use Overcast if not then I suggest Downcast um, I tried out Pocket Cast I like that it's fairly similar Castro. Although I don't know the Castro is going to be around a while, but I, I, you know, Pocket Cast is owned by NPR, so it's not like <laughs> uh, it's not like it's getting better over there. But um, th- th- it's just an ever shrinking amount of access to the marketplace of ideas hmm. and the scope of what is acceptable for people like uh, listeners of this program is shrinking, mm-hmm. uh, and so it, it, it's it's scary. And, and another one of our vendors, Patreon was in the news this week yes. for something that is not even under their control, really, at the end of the day. So there's a guy named Robert Spencer, not to be confused with Richard Spencer. Robert Spencer is a person who runs a site called jihadwatch.org, and basically he watches jihad, <laughs> and he keeps track of uh, Islamic terrorism. And he you know, is labeled a hate, a hate group by the Southern, Southern Poverty Law Center. And so if you get on the bad side of the Anti-Defamation League, the Southern Poverty Law Center and Media Matters, you're pretty much hosed. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what you think or do or say, as long as they lie about you and they assassinate your character, then you're gone. It doesn't matter what happens. And so mm-hmm. uh Robert, again, not to be confused with Richard, put out a post on uh, a, f- a few days ago. 
that he was, I'll just read this to you from his, his page. Uh, a few weeks ago, the great David Wood spun by my office and helped me set up a Patreon account. We made a video in which I explained that I had come into possession of what once had been a working TV studio and that I hope to make it into a working studio again for regular Jihad Watch videos. Man, if there's anybody in the Indianapolis area with a TV studio that would like to help us out. Um, the whole We're endeavor. Clean. Yeah, exactly. I've never said anything bad on this podcast. Uh, the whole endeavor had barely gotten off the ground, however, when I received this email yesterday afternoon. This is April 14th when the email was sent. Hi, Robert. My name is April, and I'm on the trust and safety team here at Patreon. I've been notified by MasterCard that we must remove your account from Patreon effective immediately. MasterCard has a stricter set of rules and regulations than Patreon, and they reserve the right to not offer their services to accounts of their choosing. This is in line with their terms of service, which means it's something that we have to comply by. I have paid out your remaining creator balance of 475 bucks to you d- via direct deposit. I'm sorry for the inconvenience and frustration this might cause. Let me know if you have any questions or concerns. I'm here to help. Uh, I'd been given no warning before this. Uh, anything amiss with my account which at the time consisted of that single video announcing the initiative along with a note announcing that I would be starting a live stream. Um, That was it. So what violated their rules? They hadn't explained, but when I went to my Patreon account, I got this, and he was disabled. Uh, So I wrote back to April. My account was disabled. Explanation, please. No answer. Later on Twitter, however, when I announced this, uh, I got a reply. Hi, Robert. We emailed you earlier today, which explained that, unfortunately, MasterCard required us to remove your account. You replied to us, but if you have further questions, we're happy to keep emailing. He writes, this was plainly disingenuous. They had not been emailing with me. They never explained why MasterCard objected to my account or why they had to comply with MasterCard's wishes and didn't answer my request for an explanation. I don't have a MasterCard and didn't have one attached to my Patreon account. So MasterCard wasn't really involved unless it owns Patreon, which is apparently the case. No, Boomer. It's not how this works. Yeah, so it, yeah the whole article is yeah. all Boomer. Yeah. Uh, of, well, he is, he's a Boomer. He's an older guy. Of course, what is almost certainly going on here is that MasterCard and Patreon is deleting accounts that have been smeared by the hard-left propaganda hate group, the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, despite the fact that the SPLC has been resoundingly discredited, and the SPLC defames me as a hate group leader and an anti-Muslim extremist. Here, for the record, is my response to their charges, which you can go read uh, at this particular post, which will be in the show notes. Um, so there was an update. Uh, Breitbart actually sent them an email, and this is what they replied back. A MasterCard spokesman responded to a Breitbart news request for comment with the following statement. As part of our normal process, we share information about websites that may have illegal content with the acquirer or merchant's bank that connects them to our network to accept card payments. The acquirer would then review the site for compliance with legal requirements and our standards. They would then determine what action to take. In this case, the acquirer advised us that they had decided to terminate the acceptance. I would love to know what is illegal on this guy's site because it it didn't look like anything wild. I mean, it looked like, you know, typical boomer Republican stuff. Right, yeah. And as far as I know, he's not Richard Spencer. He's not a nut job. He's just not mainstream, and he's he's not even Pamela Geller of... What's the Pamela Geller site, the the Gateway Pundit? Yeah. He's in that crowd, mm-hmm. certainly, the Front Mag and mm-hmm. David Horowitz and all that, the Newsmax crowd, but he's not, you know, he's not Richard Spencer. Right, which I'm thinking, like, reading the article and going through all this, I keep wondering, like, is this mis- just a mistaken identity that somebody 
message to MasterCard like, hey, did you know you have our spent, you know, because right. and unless they're into it, like, that's that Nazi guy. If you can't have this Nazi guy on you, we're not, we're walking away. We told you about this once, right. you know, and, you know, I'm, and I'm sure someone in Patreon is like, no, 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 this is someone different. Nope. I'm sorry. I've already came to the heads. They said that, you know, either you do this or this. Nope. Not budging. I now see the importance of crypto. This article single-handedly made me go, okay, I get it. Yeah. I get why so many libertarians who are a little more underground than I am uh, have been advocating this for a decade. Because when you start getting one of the two big credit card processors start getting into violating free speech, mm-hmm. uh, not violating free speech, but, but making decisions- Swinging his weight around. Swinging their weight around to try and influence public discourse- mm-hmm. and, and, and you don't see conservatives doing this. You don't see libertarians doing this. You don't see independents or centrists doing this. You don't even see mainstream Democrats doing this. You see a very motivated group of people who are making trouble for most of the country. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's really disheartening. Yep. Can you imagine, you know, because they've done this to gun sellers. They've done this to sex workers. Okay. See what they can get away with. Very small things, small businesses, all these small businesses, right? Right. And they've also done it, and conservatives cheered on to weed shops in Colorado, make them do, you know, doing cash sales. Right. So what would happen to if every gun store couldn't take credit card transactions? Right. Boom. I was like, how are you going to say, well, people can bring cash. Man, I, dude, I, just, I could eat. That's, I don't feel comfortable walking around handing dollars in cash, even though I'm going to go buy a gun with it. it right. And then, you know, now you have all this money, and you have guns. Ew, this is about... Even though you have guns, this 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 is awful. This is, does not look good. Yeah, you know. And then if you've got, if they won't let you deposit into the bank, then how are you gonna do payroll? How are you gonna buy guns? How how are you gonna get guns from your man? Your, your, you know, your shipper. You know, who are you gonna get them from? Even though you have these FFL and all these different licenses to get to them, but if you can't use credit card transactions, how are you gonna do it? Right, crypto, crypto, and that's the main thing with crypto. It's like, hey, that's all I wanted to do. I want to be able to send money and have someone accept money that's far away. And I want to do do it cheaply. I want to do it effectively, and that's what I want to do. And and if it can be anonymous, awesome. I don't want pseudo crappy ano- anonymous. What pseudo anonymous? I don't want pseudo anonymous. I want DK Snarks anonymous. I want anonymous. I want anonymous ledger. Okay. I, I wanted. To, I want it to be easy. I don't want. It, I, it can be hard. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy like cash, but I want it anonymous like cash and the simple fact that I can just give out with a low transaction fee. Yes, I understand training, uh, transaction fees has to be something to for the network, but the fact when it balloons up to a point where I can't get a piece of gum, no, no, it's too much. Uh, okay, you're sorry. shouting okay, now. Sorry, sorry. All right, sorry. calm down. <laughs> you're really screeching hard, okay? <laughs> but that's the beauty of the crypto, like the cryptocurrency and not this other... Oh crap! Everyone keeps flowing into this thing, right? You know, and everyone's like, "Well, I'm going to hoard in and do this. It's going to be then. It's like it's going to be cool, and it's going to do all this other stuff." I was like, "No, at its time when it was built, this is this is what we really wanted because the because it's not like they were going after all these people. They also were going after people who were donating to antiwar.com, right? They when like PayPal sh- blocked them off so they couldn't accept currency, so they couldn't do their thing. They were also going after people who donated cash. Like, hey, did you know you donate? You know, antiwar.com got banned from PayPal mm-hmm. for a short bit of time. A- antiwar.com. Yep. 
There's nothing even remotely offensive about antiwar.com. You piss off someone on the right thing, and they can get a nice mob going. You can get banned from anything yeah. at one point, you know, for a short bit of time. Do you like, get back in? But you know, can you survive the three months that you can't take in funds? Right. You know, could you imagine if you were like living off the um, Patreon f- feed money and they kicked you off for two oh, months? E- even now, if if we got kicked off of Patreon for two months, mm-hmm. we'd be done. I mean, I, I, I we wouldn't be done. But we would we would be it hurt it we'd would be really bare hurt. bones yeah. yeah we'd really hurt it'd be hurting yeah, yeah it'd be hurt it's like hey we can only offer the twenty episodes and uh, <laughs> yeah you know no and, that's for sure yeah and uh, Harry created fifteen bot accounts for bandwidth wise right <laughs> yeah I mean I mean we're we're with a great host who I love a lot mm-hmm. but they're in Austin and you know they're probably a little more liberal and they're into the tech community and it's it's like. I don't know if you know the five by five network, but we we host with Fireside.fm, and I, I love the service. It's cheap. It's super reliable. It's been great for us. It was a great step up for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, like you know, one phone call, yeah, and it's diaspora. We can't go back to Bluehost the way that we used to do it. As I hosted it on our our shared server, <laughs> you know, can you imagine? Oh, we crashed the heck out of our website when that Ron Paul thing came out. Mm-hmm. You know, so then. You all right? So Libsyn, nah. You you Blueberry, nah. Yeah. You know it, it's a small community. Yeah. Like the reality is, yes, there are alternatives. But if you get collusion going, mm-hmm. and you 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 get the the five major podcast hosts at Podcast Movement comparing notes about you, mm-hmm. you're hosed. Right. You know you're you're on some unreliable, expensive ass service, or you're trying to make it work with something dumb like Dropbox or Amazon Web Services. Mm-hmm. Like there aren't a ton of all like think about credit card processors. Like if Mastercard Visa won't take you and then all you're left with is American and and Discover, like Discover is super expensive to operate. Like right. if you want to take Discover cards, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. So Yep, you eat that up on transaction fees. Right. And then, you know, but they're gonna go too. They're like, No, no, no. And American Express is like, Oh no, you look shady, we're done. Right. So Exactly right, and so you're you're you have all these crony capitalistic com- companies, especially Visa and Mastercard. When they start throwing their weight around, that's really concerning. Yep. And I think as consumers, we have to, and I will repeat it again, we have to stand up to these companies and say this is this is unacceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. And we have to say to the companies like Twitter, thank you, yep. because I guarantee you, I'm the first person to say thank you to Twitter for n- not banning Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, out of the out of the millions that are hitting them, correct? Yeah, so. but yeah, and that's just something like the uh, like I said, that's why like Operation Choke Point they were doing that. That's how they were going after different people, and and exactly the same thing for um, presidential campaigns. Can you right. imagine that if they just said like you know we're not going to let the LP take you know visa transactions for donations? All right, that's let, saying they would listen. But, we are not mad at Patreon. Because I don't, I feel Patreon was probably over a barrel when Mastercard. Then, Ooh, yeah. yeah, I mean, oh, I'm not mad at yeah. them at all. So, so we're we're sticking with Patreon. And speaking of Patreon, Harry, what? Never mind. Did I did I miss that cue? No, you did didn't miss, miss a cue. Did I miss it's, a cue? Listen, I'm not good with all the radio stuff yet. I'm I'm never was good at it actually. But line, line. So speaking of Patreon, Harry, there we go. Long ago, opinion journalism only existed in newspapers and magazines, but the internet has given rise to new voices like We Are Libertarians. Few people are doing what we do, giving a libertarian opinion on modern life and politics in a fun and entertaining way. 
We are building something special here, but we cannot do it without your help. We're hiring freelancers, building up our website, planning to grow into the largest libertarian voice in America by 2020. So help us convert more people to the movement that is changing the world by giving us the tools to do it by contributing to our Patreon. Become a citizen, $5 a month, and get our bonus content, CD quality shows, and commercial free before anyone else. At $10, Nobility get access to an exclusive Facebook group and a notification to join the live stream and chat with us during the show. Members of the Royal Court get $25 get at $25 a month, excuse me, get a poster and free shipping in the new We Are Libertarian store. You can also join the Emperor's Circle at $100 a month, and you get to sit in on our co-host strategy calls that are forthcoming, private access to Dear Leader and Dear Leader's Chambers, and a guest spot on the show. Like we said, uh, Craig DeCosta will be on next week. So this is the number one way to help the show. So if you want to help us grow, this is the way to do it. Special thanks to Craig DeCosta, Brandon Luke, Jason Doolittle, Christy Avery, Paul Jonathan Eads Jr., and now the Liberty Coalition for being members of the $100 a month Emperor Circle. And a special thank you to Jason Doolittle. While we were on the show here, uh, he upped his Patreon to $125 a month. Woo! So he's he's doing both the nobility and the Emperor Circle level. And so we (laughs) want to thank Jason so much for his effort. He uh, said that that donation is for the Chris Spangle Show. So thank you, Jason. Welcome back to We Are Libertarians, episode number 308. I'm Chris Spangle, and here with me is Harry Price. Harry, how are you? I'm going good. A little cold, but I'm still going. Yeah, it's 65 in here. It's a little chilly. Uh, if you're sub- if you're not subscribed to the show, please do so now in your favorite podcast app. Please be sure to leave a review and rating while you're there. And this segment is brought to you by our Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. So... Uh, you know, we one of the things that we are doing here on the Tuesday show specifically, uh, which we call the news episode. So we have a news episode, and then our Thursday show is more of a loose chat most of the time. Uh, and so Harry's here with me every Tuesday, and we go through some of the news of the day, a couple stories, some of the the smaller stories. And uh, Thursday's just usually a little more of a loose chat. And Rob Kendall, our buddy, and Tad Western will be here Thursday. Uh, and so. What what we're doing on the Tuesday show now, the news show, is that we're doing something called the Path to Libertarianism. And I think it is important in this environment of constant news cycles, two-a-day news cycles, that it's, it's really easy to lose uh, sight of some of the basic libertarian principles. And so uh, every week we want to bring to you a segment. We're going to take a piece of the news and apply a libertarian principle and explain some basic foundational principle. And today's a doozy. Today's the non-aggression principle. Uh, so, you know, I was watching uh, TV, and my favorite pace- person to hate on TV news is Chris Cuomo. Like, I don't know what it is about him, but he just pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> he's He's got that jock face, and he's just dumb. Like, you know, like, Anderson Cooper, Aaron Burnett, they seem super intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, they see like Anderson Cooper. You could you could have a great conversation with that guy. He he's been so many places. He seems really smart. But Chris Cuomo, I don't know why he is he is giving the who does he have nudes of? Who's <laughs> whose wife in a compromising position does he have? I don't know how he's been given uh, the, the shot that he has. But now uh, Cuomo does this little segment uh, called uh, closing arguments. And so after the rally, there was some um, 
violence in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. uh, part two. And it wasn't the Nazis, because there were like 25 of them. It was all the Antifa people, you know, dressed like dressed like ISIS, basically walking around. As we told you earlier in the show, Ford Fisher, a libertarian documentarian, basically got footage of them, which I put in the show notes if you actually want to go and watch it. Could you not attach things to the Trello while we're in the middle of the show? Because it goes beep. Let me quit my Trello here. Uh, so, so this is Chris Cuomo's brilliant thought at the end of his show on whatever day this was. I don't, I don't have the date in front of me. One year since Heather Heyer was killed for standing up to hate, and our thoughts still go to her family. We know what happened with racial tensions nationwide after that, and this weekend was billed as round two, Unite the Right, the sequel. Organizers planned a rally in Washington, D.C. this time, but the turnout of white supremacists was thankfully pathetic, which is why I didn't have to go there and cover it. Only a couple of dozen showed up. Proof they lost membership after being exposed again last year as a bunch of hateful losers? No. They're still in force online, but they didn't have the guts to show up, and that's good. Counter-protesters did. There were good numbers of them. The vast majority were peaceful. But peppered in the crowd were members of Antifa, or anti-fascists. They covered their faces, confronted police, and berated journalists. And that was wrong. Now, you've been hearing it. There's a lot of whataboutism and spin going on, and it's kind of sickening to me. So let's all agree on some common understandings. A protester uses their voice. Song, slang, slurs. There's a huge range, but it is talk. When you use your hands in a violent way, you are a rioter. And unless you're justified in defending yourself and you hit someone, you're a thug, you're a criminal. I mean, he nailed the non-aggression principle there. Yeah, slam dunk. If you had just stopped there. You attack cops, you slap the media, you are in the wrong, period. But I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. you were getting so close, bro. He did that, and then he separated <laughs> media and police because they're above people. Right. You know, they're a separate class. That's exactly right. Here we go. In the eyes of the law, yes. But in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. If you're a punk who comes to start trouble in a mask and hurt people, you're not about any virtuous cause. You're just somebody who's going to be held to the standard of doing something wrong. But when someone comes to call out bigots and it gets hot, even physical, are they equally wrong as the bigot they are fighting? I argue no. Fighting against hate matters. Now, how you fight matters, too. There's no question about that. But drawing a moral equivalency between those espousing hate and those fighting it because they both resort to violence emboldens hate, legitimizes hateful belief, and elevates what should be stamped out. That's what Trump did wrong last year when he said this. You said there was hatred, there was violence in most sense. Uh, are, well, I do think there's blame, yes. I think there's blame where we must come together as a nation. I condemn all types of in senseless death. No. And- all right, so he plays, uh, I just fast forward because, you know, Trump, we heard that a million times when Trump was like, there's good people on both sides. So Donald Trump, this is a great example of it's never going to be enough. Right. Okay, so listen to what Donald Trump tweets on the one-year anniversary and listen to his reaction to it. And he proved he still believes that when he wrote this before this year's anniversary. The riots in Charlottesville a year ago resulted in senseless death and division. We must come together as a nation. I condemn all types of racism and acts of violence. Peace 
to all Americans. He needed to call out the bigots and the white supremacists. And he did. <laughs> so he says, peace to all Americans. Everyone's equal. I'm against racism. And then Cuomo was like, he needs to do this. It didn't go far enough. Didn't. Why? And why does he therefore have unprecedented support from these fringe elements of white power? Two wrongs and what is right. The big So what about I'm sure there are racists that listen to Weird Libertarians. Yeah. But that doesn't make Harry a racist. No. no. <laughs> it makes it's, no sense. Yeah, yeah and it's like unprecedented, unprecedented support. Right. It's just uh, right. As a comedian, really? as Alonzo Bowden said, uh, n- not not all Trump supporters are racist, but not all uh, not all Trump supporters are racist, but all racists are Trump supporters. That's not even true either. I don't know. Like a lot of racists do not like wait Trump like talks to black people and know. hangs out with black. Yeah, this. Uh, I've been in Southern India a little. Gets are wrong to hit. Antifa or whomever, anarchist or malcontent or misguided, they are also wrong to hit. But fighting hate is right. And in a clash between hate and those who oppose it, those who oppose it are on the side of right. Think about it. Civil rights activists, were they the same morally as the bigots, as the racists with whom they exchanged blows? Are people who go to war against an evil regime on the same moral ground as those they seek to stop from oppressing the weak. When you punch me in the nose for being Italian and you say I'm somehow less than, am I in the same moral place when I punch you back for saying that? It's not about it being right in the eyes of the law, but you also have to know what's right and wrong in a moral, in a good and evil sense. That's why people who show up to fight against bigots are not to be judged the same as the bigots, even if they do resort to the same kinds of petty violence. The law will take care of that. How you disagree matters. We should be our best. But I am arguing that Trump was wrong to create a moral equivalency between bigots and those who oppose them, making them equal wrongs. Those hateful few who take solace and a encouragement from the president's efforts my message to you is simple be aware there are many more of us who see you as unequal as less than and you will be opposed at every turn because what you are about is wrong and fighting you is right there's the sense that there's like eight million racists in every town. <laughs> mm-hmm. Around every corner. E- there's every Dairy everywhere. Queen. Every right. Dollar Tree. We're like in a red scare of racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, it's the red square. Yeah. That they all... And for eight years, they've been sleeping. Right. Okay, they didn't do anything for eight whole years. You know? And then they just come out of the woodwork. Just everywhere. Right. Everywhere, you know? With their Thomas Sowell books and their... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Wait a minute. Reading Walter Williams, Williams. everywhere. Yeah, how dare they, you know? <laughs> uh, can you be le- racist and listen to Walter Williams? Yeah, because Christopher Cantwell likes Walter Williams, which right. is still strange. But anyways, he even got Walter Williams on his show. I don't even know how that was to give him freaking pop. Honestly, I think Cantwell's just a faker. Yeah, he's I think a big fa- fake. I think, he's, so I think he's a fake racist. Yeah, he's a fake racist. He's a fake, fake racist. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Asking this to myself. The uh, all right, two things with this whole thing. One, I think I know how Kumo got his job. 
Mm-hmm. He hit it right on the top of the head. He's Italian. He's probably smuggling in those <laughs> illegal Italian meats, you right. know. And because personally, if he could get me some of them good Italian deli meats straight from Italy that you can't get in here, like right. the Cuban cigars, like the style of meat there, I'd let him do it. Say what you want. It also probably didn't hurt that his dad was governor, and then he's nah. his brother's governor. Nah. nah, nah. I'm sure that's how he gets the illegal uh, deli meat in. Right. Yeah. And that's how he you know gives it to his bosses down there. All, you know? all animals are equal, except some are more equal than others. They taste a lot more delicious right. when you let them. Like you know. Oh. Anyways, the other thing I wanted to get to is, did you hear him call for violence? No. What do you think he's talking about? He said it's okay to punch people. Uh, you got a point. <laughs> he w- he was advocating more violence than Jones was. Well, a lot more violence. And he's showing that he's part of the group. There's more of us. And I'm like, dude, bro, are, how do we know you're not there with the mask? I'll talk about. You kept, he even set the whole thing up, and I didn't have to cover that. So I wasn't there. Alibi. I, <laughs> I drove by with the newspaper by a you know, camera, you know, c- conveniently. He listen. He <laughs> six miles away. He is not wrong in that. If you show up to protest racism at, with a sign and you're peaceful, mm-hmm. then you are you are in my mind more moral than the person that thinks it is okay to hate someone because of the color of their skin. What? I would agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. Okay, the guy who showed up with the American flag. At the Portland or rally or wherever it was, it was I think Portland, where Gavin McInnes, mm-hmm. who is another one who gets completely smeared by the media unfairly, yeah. um, you, he, 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 this guy shows up with an American flag, and mm-hmm. he is a well-known protester in Portland. He shows up to all the rallies. He had an American flag because it was he was going to take back the flag from these racists and Republicans. He's a progressive. He goes and feeds the Occupy ICE folks, those protesters. He is more moral in in this narrow choice, okay? Mm-hmm. Not taking into the, the total morality of him as a person. Just in the instance of him showing up to protest against racism, he is more moral. The people that are less moral than the racist bigots, the homophobes, the 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 uh, anti semites who mm-hmm. are wearing the hoods, yeah, are the members of Antifa that beat the shit out of the guy wearing the American flag, right? <laughs> <laughs> because that's an actual story. This guy showed up to protest, and then Antifa beat the hell out of him because he had an American flag. Wow. And he just said, prejudice, he said, straight up prejudice. we're on the same side. And they said, no, we're not. And so what I wanted to bring to your attention is something called the non-aggression principle. And it is the foundational principle of libertarianism. It is the ultimate axiom. It is, uh, I think this is a good time to um, play a little run. Well, what about the Libertarian Party? Can you tell us? Goodness gracious, I'm not good at this uh, radio stuff yet, but uh, let me read to you. It it really traces back to Murray Rothbard, and it's a foundational axiom that every libertarian, when they join the libertarian party, signed something called the uh, non-aggression pledge. And basically it was a way that they were throwing off the FBI uh, because in the early days of the Libertarian Party, they had a lot more radicals, and so the FBI thought that they were a terrorist group. And so in the 70s and 80s, and Timothy McVeigh actually joined the Libertarian Party. Mm-hmm. And so in 96, Steve Dosbach said, you know, we every member signs this pledge, and Timothy McVeigh signed it. He didn't mean it. 
this is why the libertarians are not terrorists, and it was used basically to say libertarians are not terrorists. But this is what Murray Rothbard said about the non-aggression principle. The fundamental axiom of the libertarian theory is that no one may threaten or commit violence, aggress, against another man's person or property. Violence may be employed only against the man who commits such violence. That is, only defensively against the aggressive violence of another. In short, no violence may be employed against a non-aggressor. Here is the fundamental rule from which can be deduced the entire corpus of libertarian theory. Now, in English... That means that if Harry and I are sitting here and I punch Harry, mm-hmm. then I am in the wrong. Yes. Okay. If I punch Harry and then Harry punches me back, he has every right because I have violated his person. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. every single person is their own government. Okay. It's, that's why it's called the advocates for self-government, the quiz people. And so each person has a right to govern themselves. They own their own body. And so anyone who comes in and aggresses against that and not not only um, uses their fists, but also fraud, they steal, the, they, these are aggressions against the person that is... And so you have a right to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. So the, words are not violence. You can believe whatever backwards awful thing you want. I can think the worst, most vile things about Harry I want. Mm-hmm. But it does not really matter to Harry in any way, shape, or form as long as I'm not using my words in an effort to defraud him Correct. or to steal property from him or to use my fist to punch him or to steal his property, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, or harm him in any way, uh, way other than hurting his feelings. And so all these people who are worried about hurt feelings... Like, I'm sorry that these racist and Klan's robes said mean things, but the people who are actually beating up others are not more moral. Right. These punches are equal, Mr. Mm-hmm. Cuomo. Yeah. Um, I was gonna, just going to, the non-aggression principle uh, made simple for ponies. <laughs> okay. Every pony owns his or herself and their labor. No pony else has a higher claim over them. Hitting, stealing, and killing are always wrong, even when the castle guards and soldiers are doing it. Use force only in self-defense or in the defense of some pony else. Each interaction with other ponies should be voluntary basis only. Never use coercion. Not aggression principle. Made simple for ponies. Right. Uh, let's let's play a couple different ways of explaining this. So. First of all, Ron Paul, and I have to be honest, at the beginning of the every episode, there was a, a clip that the guy that made the intro used, I, I wasn't crazy about, so I went and tried to find some OG Ron Paul, and I found one that was perfect, and it was about liberty bringing people together, and in in re-watching a lot of Ron Paul's speeches, I gotta be honest, he was so positive and optimistic, and it, it was refreshing, so if you get a chance, if you're lonely on this Friday, Saturday night, and as a libertarian, you will be. Please go watch some Ron Paul. But uh, this is Ron Paul explaining what the Libertarian Party stands for when he ran in 1988 as a libertarian. A little bit about what it stands for. Libertarian Party is based on a firm principle of non-aggression. We all take a pledge when we join the party that we will never initiate force against somebody else. That is, uh, you know, a pretty simple principle that everybody should endorse. It's a principle of what makes civilization. That is, you respect other people's life, you respect other people's property. Thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not murder. It's it's that simple, and most everybody agrees to that. 
And the next question ought to be is, well, why, does, why should you be different than Republican Democrats if they tend to agree with that same principle? Well, we, we believe it's such an important moral principle that if we can't take somebody else's property and we can't hurt anybody or we can't intimidate anybody or threaten to use force, we don't think the government can either. But we see the government as the initiator of force to bring about social and economic changes day in and day out. I mean, they, they may not come up to our front door with a gun, and occasionally they do, but we know if we don't deliver our money and our records and do obediently what the government wants in order to give up our portion of our income through the Internal Revenue Service, the gun will be quickly at our door and we will be in prison. So it's the threat and the intimidation, and therefore they're transferring wealth, something that we can't do as individuals. So we as libertarians reject this whole idea of forcible redistribution of wealth, which is the welfare state. Same way in personal liberties. We apply this principle in the area of personal liberties, and although I might want you and think you should leave a certain, lead a certain lifestyle, because I think it's good and right and moral, I have no right to tell you what to do. You know, if, if you want to live a certain way, and I disagree, that's, that's tough. You know, that's your, your choosing. That's the individual's choice, as long as you don't hurt somebody else. So the person has the right to his own life and his liberty, his own lifestyle, as with one special rule that your lifestyle, the individual's lifestyle, can't hurt somebody else. So if you do things that I disapprove of, I as a libertarian am tolerant and I accept that up until the point of no injury to anybody else. Uh, and then I want to play one of the most important libertarians that you've never heard of. His name is Marshall Fritz, and he started the Advocates for Self-Government, which I worked for uh, for uh, all of 2013. And it's basically the people who do the world's smallest political quiz. And, and uh, Marshall Fritz basically went around at the beginning of the advocates and the beginning of the quiz, drove around for 364 days, visiting people across the country, spreading this quiz, ex introducing it, dropping off quizzes, and to the point that he would leave a hanger in the closet that said Marshall slept here. So one of the most in incredible libertarians that greatly inspired me, and this is actually the big idea number one, this video is on the path to libertarianism, which if you go to wearelibertarians.com and you look up at the top, it says new to libertarianism, question mark. And uh, big idea number one, it plays this video. So I want you to hear another way to explain this concept of force and words and your personal values. John, if someone were to come into your house, he's uh, wearing a ski mask, he's carrying a shotgun, gets the drop on you, and he robs you of a bunch of your stuff. In your opinion, is, uh, is there something wrong with that? Yeah, yeah sure. He says, yeah, didn't, that's an easy one. How many of us would agree with John? That's obvious. He's saying, yeah, okay, good. Agile. Two people come into your home. Again, they're wearing the ski mask. They get the drop on you and all that sort of stuff. They're, they're cleaning out some of your stuff. You've got this great big built-in television set, and there's this argument that ensues, uh, do they have enough time to get the TV set out of there? And you bring up that your brother-in-law, a uh, highway patrolman, is a uh, do over any minute <laughs> to, to watch the game. It might be best that there, there isn't time. And they sort of decide to vote on it. And it turns out the vote is two to one. And they take the TV set. Edgel, does the process of taking your stuff become morally okay if you're allowed to vote on it? If they employ democratic principles and allow you to vote? No. How many of us think that uh, if you get to vote on it, it's okay if people take your stuff? Only if you have a big family. <laughs> Only if you have a big family. <laughs> Martha, three of them come into uh, 
Uh, your house, uh, this time they're not even wearing, uh, they're very brazen now, they're not wearing uh, ski masks, uh, they're dressed in suits and all that sort of thing. You can see that they're carrying guns. And they've prepared a, a list of things that they want you to, to give them, uh, including your Mercedes. Uh, but one of them comments, he says, you know, Martha, young, uh, delightful people like you uh, should be in uh, an exercise program. And while we are going to take your Mercedes, we're going to give you this nice Schwinn. And we encourage you to uh, ride to work and ride to play and whatever. So they, they leave and all. Is it okay if someone takes your Mercedes as long as you get something, some return on your investment? You got the Schwinn out of it. Is it okay now? Not a good return, but is it, is the, does the morality of their taking your car change because they left you something behind? You got something good out of it. You got the Schwinn. Did the morality of the theft change because you got something? No. no. How many of us agree with Martha that the morality did not change? Okay, good. Bill, there you are. All right. Four of them come into your uh, shop. Same thing with the Mercedes and the list and all this kind of a stuff. But they do one more thing. Uh, Bill? They're going to not only give you a Schwinn, but they're going to give a Schwinn to a poor person down in Paraguay who needs a Schwinn in order for her to get to work and all and support her family. Let's uh, say a couple of things here. One, you have not only a generic belief in, in, in value in helping disadvantaged people, but you have a very specific uh, burden on your heart for the people of Paraguay. Uh, you lived down there as a kid. Your mom was the ambassador. You went back in the, uh, uh, in the Peace Corps, and you've got this great sense for the people of Paraguay. Bill, does it, is it morally okay for someone to take your Mercedes if they do something that you consider good with some of the proceeds? Not morally okay. That does not become morally okay, in your opinion. How many of us agree with Bill that even though they're doing something sort of nice that we approve of, it doesn't become more, the morality of it doesn't change? All right. Uh, let's see, what are we up to? Four. Chris, what if we had 14 in the group? Would it be okay then? No? <laughs> uh, Richard, 40? Philip, 400? Uh, Linda, 4,000? 4 million, Phyllis? 104 million? Hey, watch it, guys. You're, you're wrecking the carpet. I think libertarianism is the basic principles that your mom and dad, in all likelihood, taught you. They're the principles that my mom and dad taught me. Morality does not come from what the group decides. How many of us tell our uh, teenage children, well, you just find out what everybody else is doing, and then you do that? <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> That's not the way we decide morality. Ah, huh? uh, see, see, he's so great. Mm -hmm. Like just that little three-minute clip, you just get goosebumps because he's such a great communicator. I, I love Marshall Fritz, and one of the things that I will be responsible for before I die is making sure more people know about Marshall Fritz and that he is in the same league that he is mentioned in the same league as Ron Paul and Murray Rothbard because Marshall was the person who gave the movement in its early in its early first 30 40 years the marketing tool that it uses more than anything else the world's smallest political quiz and uh, just such a dynamite teacher and spent 20 years just going around teaching libertarianism and just a fantastic human being by all accounts so love marshall fritz uh, go on youtube and just google marshall uh, and check him out he's fantastic and upward the upward podcast that we have has several of his training sessions in it so go check that out um, you know, I just I just want to end by reminding you that speech is not violence. And uh, there was an article written this week called Ken, from Kent's Hooligan Libertarian blog <laughs> that you're you're right to yell fire in a theater. And he's exactly right in this. Um, 
It is your absolute right to say or write whatever you want to say. It may not be wise, and in a free society, you will be held accountable for any harm you cause by doing so. You have the responsibility to not say something untrue which can cause trouble, but no one has the right to silence you. Most people suffer from a tragic misunderstanding of where rights come from. I'll give you a hint. They don't come from the government or any of its documents. The Bill of Rights doesn't create any rights at all. In fact, it doesn't even apply to you or me unless we work for the government. And for those to whom it does apply, its entire purpose is to stop them from violating the rights of individuals. That's right. The Bill of Rights is simply a government shall not, a list of a list and a warning that the government has no right to violate natural rights. It does. It makes doing so a crime. Government thus is prohibited from enacting laws that can violate natural rights by the very document which foolishly created it and allows it exist. Since the First Amendment places all speech beyond government regulation or control, uh, it makes no exception for things that can be destructive or stupid. So say what you want to say after you've weighed the consequences and decide whether they are worth it, then face the consequences like a self-owning human being should. So yell yell fire in a crowded theater if you want. Right. You will face consequences if someone is harmed. Correct. The call to action. That's right. But uh, you have every right to say it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Harry... Good good times. Now, you know what that music means. You're out on the town. You, you, you're a dapper man. You love to dress up. Where do you take the lady? Where's the fancy place you take the lady? Well, uh, let's see. It depends on which lady. Like the wife, I usually take her to the Culver's. Okay. You know. All right, so you're going out on the town, <laughs> and you got to look good for your woman. All right? You're taking her to Culver's, all right? This right. is not Dairy Queen. Exactly. This is highfalutin stuff. So, let's be honest. Other than Jeffrey Tucker and Harry, libertarians do not dress well. But We Are Libertarians has a solution. It is the new We Are Libertarians store. Get the shirt that men covet and women cannot resist by clicking the link at wearelibertarians.com. And we have women's shirts, too. So, send us photos of your shirt at editor at wearelibertarians.com, and we will post it. Finally, a cure for nudity. Someone get James Weeks one of these. (laughs) All right. Into our final segment. Uh, The mainstream media has discovered their profit centers, and that leaves many important issues uncovered. So we're going to run through the headlines, running out of time here on the show, but uh, we've got some important stuff to cover. First and foremost, uh, if if Gary Johnson's running for Senate, as we mentioned last week, Mm -hmm. if I were to tell you, Harry, if you were to guess, where's Gary Johnson polling in a three-way race? What would your guess be? I'm guessing because it's New Mexico. I'm going to say, I'm throwing it out there, 25%. 21%. Very very close. Just announcing he's at 21% uh, behind uh, Senator Martin Heinrich, who is expected to win, but nearly twice the support of the GOP candidate, uh, who is only at 11%. It's got that James Knees bump. That's what it is. Venezuela, the regime down there, lopped five zeros off its currency in a bid to uh, tackle hyperinflation. (laughs) (laughs) So... Venezuela is launching a new currency that slashes five zeros off the country's fast depreciating bills in a bid to tackle the country's accelerating hyperinflation. So if you remember Zimbabwe a few years ago, mm-hmm. that's exactly what's happening down there. And as a result, uh, Brazil is reporting that regime forces sent to Venezuela border after migrant clashes. 
Um, there's 120, 120 more troops. There's a massive influx into Colombia and Brazil mm-hmm. from Venezuela as people flee that country. And you know why? Because human freedom means freedom of movement, right. and people migrate from bad places to good places. Mm-hmm. So the more economic opportunity a place has, the more people want to migrate to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, man sues over Google's location history fiasco. Case could affect millions. So if you didn't know this, the Google phones, of which you have one, mm-hmm. uh, was tracking your location history even when you had location services off. Correct. Yeah, So which is kind of creepy. Um, so Apple does it too. Do they? Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. The only difference is Apple doesn't need the ad revenue, so they keep it for themselves. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, then, then also, did ride-sharing kill the D.C. metro? We crunched the numbers uh, over at Reason. Uh, the city council approved its plan to spend more than $178 million in new annual funding for the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit. And to fund the new transit, the hi- they hiked taxes on ride-sharing services like Uber and Lyft by 500%, along with more modest increases to general sales. I'm sorry. It's stories, boy. Well, we can't compete with that. Better tax them. Right, 500. And so critics complain that the ride-sharing tax is unfair. Why should someone pay for something they're not using in mass transit? <laughs> and the city said, tough. There's a causal link between the rise of ride-sharing and decline. Uh, that's not true, according to Reason, which, if, if you don't know, the Reason Foundation, which is the back end of Reason, mm-hmm. is it studies transportation policy. So they're very knowledgeable in this. Um, Lai, who was quoted in, earlier in that story, argues that ridership decline could have other causes. She points to the fact that it's more common for people to work from home these days, and she notes the rise of alternative commuting options, such as bike sharing or rental scooters. Uh so there's also um, the biggest driver of Metro's ridership decline is the Metro itself. People have places to go and things to do, and they did not see the Metro as reliable, safe, and convenient, or even affordable in some cases. Okay. just I'm, Public I'm, transit isn't I, affordable, quick, safe. You're right. Or modern. Right. Uh, so, Harry, this is the story that is taking the nation by the sto- by storm. Uh, this uh the site called Healthline.com has put out a sex guide. Now, uh, you and I, you don't need help with sex. You have a kid. Yep. Um, but just in case, uh, sex education resources often use videos, pictures, and diagrams as a way to convey important information. Though, So essentially what's happening is sex ed in this country is broken. And so they're aiming to fix that. And the way that it is broken is that kids are feeling left out. 5% of the population has gender dysphoria. And so they have a solution. Uh, these sex ed guides, they write, often often unnecessarily gender body parts as being male parts and female parts and refer to sex with women or sex with men, excluding those who identify as non-binary. Many individuals don't see body parts as having a gender. People have a gender. Okay. Does your penis have a gender, Harry? My penis has a first name. It's Owen. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, uh, okay. Uh, oh, I don't know where you need to unpack this one. Uh, the simple fact that sex education is broken in the United States, period, before you tack on a different issue going on with it. Right. Yes, it's broken. So other things need to be happened to it, but 
can we just talk about everything else first? One, I, I was just happy just for just teaching kids like one safe sex understand something beyond abstinence only sex education understanding that i don't know just sex is not also exclusively just penis and vagina sex right okay but ah, and, just, or just use medical terms of what they're called and if just instead of just, just doing that when this happens with this and stuff but but here, here's the problem. They describe, they answer that right here. And as a result, the notion that a penis is exclusively a male body part and a vulva is exclusively a female body part is inaccurate. By using the words parts to talk about genitals and using medical terms for anatomy without attaching a gender to it, we become much more able to effect, effectively discuss safe, safe sex in a way that's clear and inclusive. For the purpose of this guide, we'll refer to the vagina as the front hole. Instead of the solely medical term vagina, this is gender inclusive language that's considered to the fact that trans people don't identify with the labels in the medical community that they attach to their genitals. So, all right, so like, um, front I'm, hole. I'm sure Carly is probably going to like a uh, screeching at her phone right now. Hi, Carly. Uh, we, uh, you can't really see the vagina from the outside, <laughs> right? It's usually, you know. In there, in, internal. Uh, so that already wrong here. <laughs> you can't see the, you know, see the vulva, the clit hood, and stuff like that from the outside. And the, but, the clit hood, yeah, is that clitor- a medical clitoris hood? Please call it a front Cl- hood. Clitoris hood. A front button. It's the clitoris hood. All right. The clit hood. It's silliness. Or the um. Oh man, it's just so bad. It's like I said, like it's yeah, so awful. <laughs> Uh, all right, moving on. So I want to read this article, or I want to read this. Uh, I want to read this letter uh, from let's see Zach Tucker. It's a question here on the mailbag. Uh, the coverage of the LPNC, really uh, the national convention, really interested me as I've been considering the joining the party for a little while now. And then after what I'm calling the influx of 2018, I was wondering how you're feeling about the Libertarian Party in general after seeing a successful convention. And how this flood of libertarians who have at one point expressed the uselessness of the LP will affect the party. Keep up the great work. I love the book recommendations and can't wait for you and Harry to get back behind the mics. Thanks, dude. Zach Tucker. Uh, So how am I feeling about the Libertarian Party? Uh, As I said in those episodes, I definitely felt more uh, positive about the Libertarian Party for sure. I felt that it was... um, uh, the best convention out of the four that I've been to, it was the most kumbaya as everybody left. The LNC before that was fairly functional, and uh, it left seeing, seeming like it was going to be a much more functional LNC. Now, what's happening right now is ludicrous, because mm-hmm. um, Joshua Smith, who ran for chair, and Karen Ann Harlos, who is the secretary with the pink hair, um, you know, I've I've met them both. They seem like nice people, uh, and Karen especially. You can tell she's very dedicated, and they both traveled to like so many different conventions and got to know so many people. And I met so many different libertarians that were there because they were inspired to come vote for Josh, for instance, for chair, or join the Mises Caucus. And I think that they brought a lot of people to that to the party, and that's a really good thing. And Josh was running on a platform of get stuff done. I think he sometimes uses a different word, but let's go with get stuff done. And what has happened, uh, what had happened was a a de-evolution into um, using the LNC for personal spite. So Matt 
Keneal. I'm I'm so sorry, man. I never get his name right. Uh, But the Libertarian Socialist Matt and Mike Shipley uh, are a constant thorn in Joshua's side. And, uh, you know, as we discussed on those episodes... And generally, they're they're online a lot, so they seem bigger than they probably are. But there were like 13 people that identified as part of the Libertarian Socialist Caucus out of 900 people that were there at the National Libertarian Convention. So we are not talking about any kind of real danger to the Libertarian Party. And I also have to say, for Mike and Matt... These are two people who are running for office. They don't they're not Antifa members. They're not like bashing people upside the skull. They're not trying to drive cars through marine depots. They're they're trying to work through the process. They're running as candidates. They're volunteering on campaigns. They believe in the Libertarian Party and its growth. They just have a different end game for anarchy. Uh, and it's the original definition of anarchy according to Prudhomme and and Bakunin and mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then eventually, after New Harmony failed, as we've talked about on some past episodes, it morphed into anarcho-capitalism, and so they espouse even a more uh, an older version of anarchy. And so, I I don't see I see these two talking to people in in ways that are not Antifa like. They're not shutting people down. They're patient in answering questions. Uh, do they sometimes employ tactics that are unfair? Yes, but I would also argue that most of the different active factions in the party do that, uh, as we've documented here. So they do they have a right to exist in the Libertarian Party? If they should pay their $25 to become members, then yes. you got to follow your own rules. And if you don't like the rules, then you change the rules. It's exactly like what we talked about with Twitter. If you, de- if you determine a set of rules, then you need to follow those rules. And so... What Joshua Smith has done is, and like I said, he has personal issues with Matt and the Libertarian Socialist Caucus because they were exceptionally antagonistic towards him during his campaign. And as Matt said here on the program, I did it because I know what type of person he is and I wanted to expose his short temper because I think he's dangerous for the party and I want I wanted him to play into my hands and do what I knew he would do, which he did. And that ended up causing him to lose his election. So it was it was political strategy on Matt's part. And they continue to do that. And they continue to uh, give Joshua opportunities to take the bait. And he does. And so he is using the non-binding resolution feature of the LNC to denounce libertarian socialists and, and draft all these different bylaws proposal or not bylaws proposals but resolutions stating that we believe in property rights which is in the statement of principles it is it is part of what the body has decided on in the statement of principles it's not something that needs to be revoted on because we already all believe it and 13 people don't and so it's an incredible waste of time for the party and it's incredibly disappointing to see somebody who has a fair amount of potential in leading people to be active in the party, waste everyone's time on such a silly, silly motion. I mean, it just, it's, and, and it's divisive, and it, it, like, the party for the first time has Gary Johnson, uh, Larry Sharp, Nick Sarwark, and Mark Rutherford all running for offices, that, for major statewide offices that could have serious impact and make big splashes at the election, at the ballot box. They desperately need time, money, and volunteers. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that you get to work for, okay? And, you know, 
likewise, like people like uh, people who are maybe not friendly to Joshua, but people who are friendly to your cause that can give you some insight into the very me- mentality that is starting to take over and the socialist mentality. They can give you some they can sharpen your sword by arguing with them. Right. The more you talk to them and the more that you understand what they believe and and understand their arguments, you can then use that to defeat people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders and all of those robots. But the real enemy at the end of the day is not the 13 socialists that were at the National Libertarian Party. It is the people that are trying to silence us on platforms. It is the people that are trying to get MasterCard to shut down uh, you know, Patreon accounts. It is it is people who are using the state to sh- silence people. Matt, mm-hmm. Matt and Mike and all these libertarian socialists a- expressly say they don't want to use the state to initiate force, which means they belong in the Libertarian Party. And no, they're never going to grow past 20 people. You know, the amount of booze that they got at the National Convention when he said rent is theft was intense. And so we're we're all we're all chasing our tails not getting shit done at a time when we need to get shit done in an effort to appease a personal vendetta from April. And it's really foolish, and it's really a waste of time. And I think people, instead of buying into the demagoguery of, uh, of if you don't support me, then you believe in socialism, that's bull, that's bull crap. Yeah. That is Trump-level Trump level demagoguery mm-hmm. and we need to reject that completely and fully in the party and we need to say no that's not true like Sam right. Goldstein voted no on the I know Sam Goldstein he believes in property rights he's been he's done more for the libertarian party in 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 the last 30 years than most people I know and he voted no on the motion and somehow he's a socialist now because he disagrees with Josh Smith it's foolish it's childish, mm-hmm. it's a waste of time, and it's a complete abandonment of everything that you said at the convention. Right. So if you believe in making the party uh, a strong political force in America, you have to cut the bullshit. Mm-hmm. And to everybody on Facebook engaging in this debate, you have to stop too. Because I have to say that if it's really impossible to recommend to my listeners that they go get involved in the Libertarian Party. Because the people that I meet at the conventions are awesome. But when you go and actually um, get on Facebook and get in some of these groups, it's horrendous. And Facebook and social media is the biggest problem for the Libertarian Party. It used to be its greatest asset. Now it's its greatest fault. Because it just exposes all these petty little dramas that mean nothing. And, you know, Matt and Mike and the other two Libertarian socialists in the party are not Antifa, okay? They're not infiltrating anything. They have no ability to ever gain any political power, and the more that you uh, draw attention to them and Streisand affect them, you're going to make them more powerful. So we're not the party of purges, and that's that's exactly what this is. It's a, it's a way to make people feel uncomfortable and leave the party, and in some cases people have expressly said that. But at the end of the day... Reason your way, like stop being so insecure that these thirteen people exist in the party. Like w- the libertarian movement is strong enough to handle thirteen socialists. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's just unbelievable to me that we can snatch victory from the jaws of is it snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? Yeah, or something like that. I mean, it's just it's such a wasted amount of energy, time, and resources when you've got four of the best statewide campaigns. There were just. F- 
three or four elections in Tennessee at major county levels, like countywide elected officials in Tennessee. Uh, you know, these are great successes, and the party is in really good shape, but you wouldn't guess that if you actually followed the party on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. You've got Evan down there in Arizona helping Saw work out, doing everything. Like, he's got, like, the... He, He's got a great chance down there, and the last thing he really needs is to deal with this petty drama bull crap inside of a political party, which, if you really don't like their merits, then debate them. You know, bring them out and debate, have conversations and talk. Deciding to do stuff like this, come on. Yeah. You know, are you that scared of his ideas? Are their ideas so scary to you that you can't bring them up and talk to them? Right. That means, is there truth to something they said? Is there something that, that triggered you? Then it was like, wait a minute. They could be onto something. Well, yeah, because that's the biggest problem most libertarians have with socialism, the government force part. Oh, then they don't care. Because we know, eh, it's probably going to fail. Right. It's going to fail. We've seen it fail. You know, but as long as there's no force, no one dies, no death camps, go ahead, try. Go ahead. Have yeah. fun. Stop yeah. being so scared yeah. of ideas. Mm-hmm. Libertarians are so insecure about what they believe, and so in- especially the younger ones. And it's, you know, I've, I've just been through this so many times and it's like the party will survive. You know, people have come in with bad ideas before. You know, we survived Wayne Allen Root. <laughs> we, we're going to survive this one. So uh, everybody calm down. All right. Thanks for uh, joining us here on, on We Are Libertarians. Harry, final thoughts for the episode. Oh, I've got so much re- just like capped in on this one. But no, um, one thing I have to say is now that you've like noticed, like uh, I will recommend everyone go out there and notice that everything that you're seeing now, trust me, they have laid the groundwork to get things done for a long time now. And pe- weird people like myself has been saying like, hey, we need to get the groundwork to get a lot of this stuff done. We need to get into a lot of stuff. Like one of the things that never got off the ground, which I don't know if we'll still even if people even have time to come together, to get that off the ground is trying to put like a DNS on the blockchain on on blockchain type of technology to get the DNS ripped out of the hands of, you know, of, of these other agencies, because, you know, because that's what's next. If you like taking someone out, it's like, boom, check your DNS registry up, you know, boom, boom, storefront, you know, all this. Once you once someone has to type in an IP address to find you because all the popular DNSs don't cover carry you anymore you're done pretty much yeah they've killed you on the internet you know at least for normies anyways unless someone has a direct link for you so well it's um so yeah that's my thing is like keep looking at different alternative things be inquisitive look understand like yes you can use these things that's fine that's fine i you can but try to educate yourself on understand how the technology works and you know if it goes away find another way to get there uh, a quick exercise that I want every, uh, that you can try out, which a lot of people is like, how do you get your brain to think this way? And a hacker got me to think that I can't remember the guy's name, but he always said like, well, think of 10 different ways to turn off a light bulb. Just that practice there. Try that. That's how I think. Okay. All right, I have no final thoughts other than uh, please listen to the Chris Spangle Show, chrisspangleshow.com, and uh, that's a daily show and putting out content like crazy. And all I ask is just a few things. I am going to do this if you guys are willing to listen, if this is something that is interesting to people. 
because it's a significant time commitment. It's another hour and a half out of my day dedicated to bringing you content that I otherwise wouldn't. But I feel there's a need for it. I want to do it. Um, but I also want to make sure that there's a market for it. So there are uh, three ways to do that. First, send me an email and say, hey, thanks for doing it. Appreciate it. Write me a letter, something I can read on the show, or just a private one. Editor at wearelibertarians.com. Number two, share it on social media and say, hey, listen to this podcast. Uh, the more you know, chatter about it, the better. And then three is financially support it. Go to Patreon. Jason Doolittle up to $125 a month, added another 25 bucks. The Chris Spangle Show, an extra 20, 30 minutes a day, meant another $25 a month to him. Uh, that's how valuable it is to him. So uh, if you find that content valuable, then please leave it. Leave a, a, a donation up your Patreon donation at patreon.com slash Libertarians and say, hey, this is for The Chris Spangle Show. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, but yeah, we're going to have fun with it and I'm so excited to continue to do this. I'm very tired, uh, but I am, uh, I've been having a lot of fun the last few days, like really digging into researching and, and, uh, getting back to getting back to work. So thank you for joining us here on this episode of We Are Libertarians. You are all beautiful people. We love you very much. We, uh, we love having you as friends and as listeners and some of you as lovers. And uh, here he is over there doing anything but listening to the show, and I don't blame you. I am listening to the show. I'm just going. To, uh, I'm just trying to pull up my uh, Chris Pangle feed on the. Uh, ah. I'll show you on Google. Play. Well, thank you. All right, thanks for joining us, and we will see you uh, in just a. Well, I'll see you tomorrow, and then we'll see you here on We Are Libertarians on Thursday with Rob Kendall and Tad Western.